0: Chicago's game day with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black on ESPN 1000. No runs. As Baez with a blast. Deep left center and it is gone. Number
1: 20
0: for Baez. 5 to 2.
1: We didn't punch a whole lot. We didn't move the baseball. Uh,
2: maybe that was the difference. Maybe his command was better. I'm watching from the side. Nothing was happening really
3: good or awful. Both sides were just a know trying to begin we didn't win.
0: Swing and a drive. Deep to left, right field. Get up, ball. Get up and get out of here. Long home run for Curtis Granderson. Welcome home to Chicago. Went way deep. And there's another. Get up, ball. Get out of here. Gone. Back-to-back home runs for the Blue Jays.
4: Yeah, I feel good. Uh, we got a lot in. We're going through the installs day by day, and uh, we got a lot of the bulk
1: of the offense in. We still get... We're just diving in even deeper every day. So I just uh,
3: the offense is picking up quickly and we're getting a lot of good stuff on film and we're just learning from our mistakes and um, continue to develop and, and we we're, we're coming along real nice.
0: Chicago's game
1: day. Welcome in to Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are here till 2.30 this afternoon. Special Saturday show walking you into coverage of the Cubs and the Cardinals right here on ESPN Radio at 2.30. We are open for business in your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Or you can get at us on Twitter because we will respond. We're the youngest ones at the station, so we'll get back to you as we sit here and talk sports and and get through the show. We'll get back to you on Twitter as well. And, Abdallah, we have a lot to do here on the show. Obviously, we will talk a lot about the Cubs and the Cardinals. Uh, We will get a lot of football conversation in. Uh, Dan Rubenstein in the second hour talking from the Solid Verbal podcast. We'll go over some college football. The Big Ten had their media days earlier this week. We'll cover college football in the second hour. Chris Raybon from the Action Network. Network and ESPN Plus. He will talk to us about some over unders, win totals for the NFL season coming up in about 30 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. And we'll also hear from Jesse Rogers live in St. Louis as the Cubs lose last night. We turn the page to today's game. Jose Quintana on the mound. A lot going on. I had a beautiful morning, Abdallah, running along the lakefront, downtown Chicago. Beautiful summer day. I show up today and you're all feisty, and you want to argue with me about dinner tonight. I don't.
5: I don't want to argue about dinner. We'll get into that later. We okay. have to talk sports first. All right, let's do that but first. First, Chris, we yes. are five days away from Ugh. the first Bears preseason game. Yes, we are. Are you excited for Mitchell Trubisky to hand the ball off four times and then leave the field? Well, the Bears practiced this morning. They uh, did. Is there anything
1: uh, going on at practice today?
5: Ah, was we go to. The Chicago Tribune's Colleen Kane and Rich Campbell as they update us from practice. Bears training camp updates. Mitch Trubisky throws pick six. uh, What? Nick Kwiatkowski intercepted Trubisky on his second pass of the morning and returned it for a touchdown.
1: (sighs) Okay, uh, so we will, uh, throughout the show, we will talk about the Bears and Trubisky as well. Uh, I want to ask you a question. It was brought up throughout the week on cap and company. Uh, Where does Mitch Trubisky and your projection for him, where does it fit with other quarterbacks in the NFL? Uh, I brought up the name Blake Bortles. I think we should get into that later on today. Uh, Do you think Trubisky will have better numbers than what Blake Bortles did for Jacksonville last season? So let's get into that a little bit later. But like you said, we got to start sports and we got to start with the hottest team in in the city. And that's the Chicago Cubs. Um, Abdallah, if we take a look at the Cubs since we have the game, game on the air at two thirty, right here on ESPN mm-hmm. 1000. That's when the pregame starts on ESPN radio. Uh, you lose last night to the Cardinals. You're only a game and a half up on the Milwaukee Brewers. You make the move for Cole Hamels. We still don't know what is going on with you Darvish, which is, which is interesting because Yo! yes, you. Um, they, the Cubs have really gotten nothing from you Darvish to this point in the season, Chris Bryant, what's going on with his shoulder. Uh, it, It could go one of two ways, I think, if we look at this season. From here on out, this team could be really good because usually they are in the second half of a season with Joe Madden, Mm -hmm. and they can get to the playoffs, and they can get to the the NLCS, they can get to the World Series, and all the conversations that we've had all summer to this point, because it's early, uh, it doesn't mean anything if they get the job done. But there is a play here with the Brewers making moves at the trade deadline, and the fact that they're only a game and a half back that the Cubs could find themselves in a wild-card game to play into the playoffs, or they could miss the playoffs altogether based on all the issues we've seen over the last week. Uh, The bullpen, the starting rotation, uh, you Darvish being hurt, Chris Bryant being out, all these different things can all come together. And if it goes negative, what does that mean if this
5: team somehow didn't make the playoffs this season? Well, here's what I'll say. I will say that here's some facts, okay? The Cubs, yes, are a game and a half up on the Brewers. Chris Bryant is out. Anthony Rizzo's been struggling. The pitching hasn't really been there because you can really only trust John Lester right now because Kyle Hendricks has home run problems and all this other stuff. You're trying to rely on Chatwood and Montgomery who didn't. Rely on Chatwood. That's what I'm saying. That's right now. If you're relying on someone to walk the world. You don't know what Cole Hamels is going to bring when he comes in. But here's what I will say. They lead the National League in hits, in on-base percentage, in average and in RBIs. So they lead in a lot of the offensive coordinate uh, categories. They don't lead in home runs, but they're still leading in total runs 520 to the Dodgers 498. They're still putting up good offensive numbers. They're still leading the league in these categories. They're still the first, the best team in all of the National League yeah. with everything that I just laid out. So. Can they still make the playoffs? Yeah, they can still make the playoffs. Brian can still come back. Anthony Rizzo can return to form. He has been as of late. He has been as of late since he's been leading off. Okay, And you can get something. These pitchers could, quote, get right. You know what I mean? Like Hendricks could be Hendricks. Quintana can go past the the 5th inning and maybe into a little bit of the 6th inning. Maybe, right? And then hopefully you got Cole Hamels to replace Tyler Chatwood or Mike Montgomery. That's one of them's going to either go uh be sent down to the minors or go back to uh Montgomery might go back to the bullpen, whatever it remains to be seen. And they'll probably make another move here before the deadline to acquire more bullpen help. The Cubs will, right? So as of right now, They're the best team in the National League. There's really only one team that I'm afraid of if I'm a Cubs fan in the National League, and that's the Dodgers. Because I think the only team that could beat them in the playoffs is should they get there is the Dodgers. Now the American League's a whole nother story. Should they get to the World Series? There's like eight teams in the American League that I'm afraid of, right? So that being said, can they make the playoffs? Can they go far in the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. Because they're underperform their their top players are underperforming or hurt, and they're still the best team in the National League. So as
1: of right now, sure, why not? That's him, Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. This is Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We're here to talk to you this afternoon. You can call us at 312-332-3776. So Abdallah, that's that's the great point. And obviously, saying that they could miss the playoffs, I'm only saying that like if everything goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be an uh, alarmist, and I'm not trying to be negative on the topic. I'm just saying... What if everything didn't go their way, they didn't make it? Okay, they make the playoffs, right? I think we all assume that that's what will happen. You just nailed it on the head. They are not good enough to beat probably five other teams in said World Series. Mm -hmm. Or if they don't get to the World Series, I'm not sure if they're good enough to beat the Dodgers. But in the American League, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros, the Indians... The Mariners. Uh, I mean, hot I mean, A's. I mean, hot A's. I mean, uh, how many of those teams do you think the Cubs would absolutely beat if you get to the World Series? So I think it goes to a bigger conversation, right? Mm-hmm. The conversation is in 2015 when all these young players were coming up together. Wow, we have so much time. Look at this. See on the horizon, we're we're in a ship, right? You and I are in a boat. We're we're Wanna in we're in a boat on the Wanna ocean boat? and on the horizon. What is that in the distance? Is that one championship? Uh, that's two championships. Is that you're goal, you're yeah? holding me like uh, like I'm Leo and on Titanic, right? Like in you, the movie, no,
5: I' yeah. no, Rose doesn't hold Leo. No, no, he Leo holds Rose. He's the king of the world. He
1: yells, "I'm the king of the world." Well, nobody's this is before holding Rose.
5: Nobody's holding. This him. is
1: before Rose. Doesn't he have uh, a little friend? Yeah, at the start. Yeah, it's two boys, but nobody's holding. This him. is before Rose. Oh, this is and, this is pre-Rose. Yeah, yes, on the boat, and okay. he's like, "Oh, what do we got? We have one championship. We have two championships. I'm the Theo's the king of the world. Okay. We've got four, five dynasty championships, yeah. right? For the yeah, Cubs, absolutely. Uh, what if I said to you that uh, your not going to get there because the window for championships is a lot smaller than you actually think it is. Because if you look at this team, I saw this article in The Ringer this week, and it was talking about free agent classes coming up in the future, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So talk beyond 2018, because a lot of people thought the 2018 free agency class was going to be the class, right, with May Machado, Bryce Harper, and all these different names. I think even uh, Clayton Kershaw was mentioned in the column. So it goes through how... Other classes in the future are poised to be the best class. In free agency in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. So it goes through, okay, 2018. It goes through the names. You scroll through, you're like, okay, 2019. All right. Paul Goldschmidt, uh, DG, DD Gagorius, uh, JD Martinez, Chris Sale. Okay. All right, all right. You scroll through, oh, 2020 free agents. Okay. There's some Justin Turner, a uh, Mike Trout, big names, Mookie Betts. Wow. Jacob DeGrom, all Can't these big names in 2020. Then you flip the page and you get to. 2021, mm. post-2021 free agents, mm. right? Hobby. You tell me how many of these names that I list off are Chicago Cup players. And not only are they Chicago Cup players, but they are core young assets that in 2015 we thought would be on the front of the Titanic, king of the world. This team's going to go for championships. Post-2021 free agents. Mm-hmm. Anthony Rizzo, mm-hmm. Javi Baez, mm-hmm. Chris Bryant, mm-hmm. Addison Russell, mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber. Well... So so what I'm pointing out here is before 2021 you're going to have to make some decisions because you ain't paying all of these guys and no. you're going to have to find another starting pitcher because the problem this season is that you don't have enough starting pitching oh, right
5: your, your best pitchers old too
1: So as you look forward and if you're a Cubs fan is the window a lot Smaller than
5: you really thought it was when this all started in twenty fifteen. Well, I don't think the Cubs need to take care of all those guys. I think eventually Schwarber will be used in a trade for someone, probably for pitching. Eventually. What if the DH is implemented in both leagues? Well then you give them all the money you want. I mean
1: is but okay, it's not his value. You, you like, can't you can't pay Baez, Bryant.
5: Russell and Schaub are all major contracts. Russell, who you're not paying Russell. Okay, Russell's not who you you thought. Okay, so you take off Russell. Okay, Okay. all right. And I imagine that like Javi could be finding lightning in a bottle here. This could be. What are you talking about, Look, sir? I love Javi. You know that. I am the leader of the Let Javi Swag fan club. I'm aware. President, CEO. Seems only, like you're speaking not, some slander about Not bias. only the owner, but I'm also uh, a customer and a user of the Javi Swag. Okay. And you use, you're yeah. a heavy user on the Bias Swag. Yes. Heavy user of the Javi Swag. But he's, he's one of these guys where you have to prove it in the long term like you can't you can just find lightning in a bottle well, for a season post 2021 will be long term you'll know what javi bias exactly. is when he gets to that you're going to give Bryant a blank check okay you are going to give he's not going to go anywhere you're going to give him all the money he wants at that point how old is anthony rizzo going to be Rizzo in three. I mean, he's what twenty eight now, so maybe okay. post thirty, he'll be like 31, 32? I am not giving him uh, the most money in the world. Yeah. Here is what I think for the for the for the short term. I think Bryce Harper's because of Chris Bryant's injury, Bryce Harper's price just went up. If he wants to come to if you want him to come to Chicago, right? He's going to get the most money, but if you want him to come to Chicago, it's going to take a little more money, probably. But of all your problems that you have going forward as a Cubs fan. Why is Bryce
1: Harper the thing that people keep pointing to? You because need pitching. He, because he, you have enough hitting. Don't because, you? Have, you have the stats Grace, right there. Give me his the stats dog's on, name, on this offense. His dog's name is Wrigley. I don't care. His dog's name is Wrigley. How many people have dogs named Wrigley? A Probably lot. a lot of people, and yeah, they don't but, all have to be Bryce, outfielders but, but for the they Chicago play, Cubs.
5: They play board games together. Him but and I don't him care. And Brian.
1: Great, fantastic. You and I work together. You only want to go to dinner with me tonight. That's not true. So, I invited. So here's you. the point. I don't see why. Chris, why Bryce Harper Mm -hmm. is this thing that's out there that people think that the Cubs have to get moving forward. It's the pitching staff, is it not? Because the reason you're not going to win the World Series this year
5: is not because you don't have Bryce Harper in the outfield. It's because of the pitching staff. Here's the problem, though. They... Aside from John Lester, where have they been successful in giving big money to free agent pitchers? Look at what's happening with you, Darvish. Right now, if I'm the Cubs, you need to trade for pitching. You need to trade for these guys that, that you can try to fix. You need to find the next Kyle Hendricks. You need to find the next Jerry, Jake Arietta. The guy, not the next Cole Hamels, who's old and who you're going to have for a year and then you're going to release him. Because you're not going to pick up that money next year because it's not worth it. You need the guys that this coaching staff or, or the last coaching staff because it's not this coaching staff because they have new pitching coaches and everything. So you need to find the new, the next Jake Arietta, the next guy that you're going to fix because as of right now, you have had horrible luck in signing free agent pitching. That's some, and, and drafting pitching. That's something that Theo and Jed can't do. They haven't proven that they've been able to do it, to find good pitching in the draft. They can find all the hitters you want. They can't find pitching. And that's something you need to have. So because of that, you're going to have to take these guys, like Addison Russell, who's going to be up, like Javi Baez, who's going to be up, God forbid. And like, I, 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 it,
1: it really hurts you to think that does. Baez won't be with the Cubs it at does. some point in the future. Oh, it does. It absolutely. I mean, I does. can't wait I've to got, see you be. A, I've got a lot
5: of T-shirt money invested well, in Javi Baez. You're okay? going to be like a full on. Uh, oh,
1: Minnesota Twins fan when I'll Baez cry. gets traded up to uh, Northern unless he, uh, Minnesota,
5: unless he goes to the Yankees, and I will rock those Javi pinstripes oh, okay. like you wouldn't All believe.
1: Right. I mean, um, but you're right in free agency. Yo! First of all, this you Darvish situation has been a complete disaster this mm-hmm. year. No matter what's going on with him, let's just look on the basic level of he hasn't given production on the field. Is he hurt? Sure. Is there something else going on? Possibly. Could it be all of the above? Maybe. Uh But if you look on the field... You- You Darvish is not giving you what you spent in free agency and what you thought would be in a second starter. So, okay, if we go back to yesterday, I was listening to Waddle and Sylvie. You guys had Rick Sutcliffe on, and he was pretty strong on what Cole Hamels means to the Cubs and what this also means for you, Darvish. Oh,
3: no, not at all. Um, I've talked to the same people and probably even a little bit more at length than 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 what Timmy has. Um, My first thought is there's a there's a lot of. Of really good stuff there, um, as I've grown to expect and and, and appreciate from Tim Kirchen, Um I, I the, the the thing that 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 gets me is exactly what he said. I don't know what's going on in his head. You guys know that that you know I told you the last time uh, what happened in spring training kind of uh, just kind of put a wedge between Darvish and me Hmm. uh, when he wouldn't sign the kid for the uh, the the autograph for the two kids in the wheelchair because he had to go throw two innings in a a spring training game. I I didn't get that. I still don't get that. I never will get that. But um, you know, here's another thing. I mean, you know, he, he he says he feels pain in there, but I know that the Cubs have done everything they possibly can. They've looked at that. In every single way possible, I know that they, they, they had the physical before they signed him. Um, there's just a lot of things that go into that to where, in my mind right now, the, the signing of Cole Hamels is, is we're not even counting on Darvish. He, he, you know, he, 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 go ahead and he can go home right now. Um, <laughs> we, we, we know what we've got to do. Um, we don't count on him for anything over the course of this year. I don't know. Maybe he can come back and, and pitch out of the bullpen uh, late in the year. I, I, I just don't know any of that. You-
1: Hold up. Rick Sutcliffe said that he can go home now? That that they don't need him? Listen. How in the world are you going to
5: win the World Series with what you have You're without not. you, Darvish? You're not. You- You're not. I'll tell you this. Rick Sutcliffe. Not only is he a great analyst for ESPN, he's awesome. He's also a member of the Cubs staff. Yes, he is an advisor to the the front office. Yeah, so he works with these pitchers. He talks to these guys on a regular basis. (laughs) So would you agree that he has inside information there? I would say that he knows what's going on between the walls of Wrigley Field and the fine new office buildings that they have put up.
1: I'm like at a loss after hearing
5: that. I think that it's at a point, and if you if you listen to what he the the what he was referencing from Tim Kirchen, it's that he Tim Kirchen was talking about um, the bullpen session that you Darvish went out and threw earlier this week, and how it was only. 16 pitches or something like that? Yeah, it was, it was. It was 16 pitches,
1: which is a weird number. We were trying to figure out during the week on Cap and Company, how do you get to 16 pitches? We have a
5: really good inning.
1: Sets of four? Is that what he was doing there? Like, what's going on? Two two halves? Uh, half of eight? And then a uh, second half of eight? Like, what's so, going on, you? You! You! Kirchner said I've got the Kirchin okay, right here so here's ahead. Tim Kirchin on you Darvish against Jake Arietta because obviously most cup fans would point to I'd rather have Arietta pitching for my team because I know he's a gamer he'll go out there and he'll win you a game here's Darvish versus Arietta Tim Kirchin on waddle and Sylvie
6: well note my hesitation here I'm gonna say it's going to be the Phillies I think I think Darvish is a better pitcher than Arietta but it's close But I'm just not sure where Darvish's head is at the moment, and I don't think there's ever a question where Jake Arrieta's head is. He's going to be in the best possible shape. He's going to go out there every single time he can, and he's going to give his very best. And he's been extremely durable over the years, and that durability is what sets him apart, to me at least, from the darvish we're looking
0: at right now tim you know you bring up the interesting point about you darvish's head waddle and i always have a rule where we don't like to judge what other people are dealing with health wise you make those accusations those are strong those are can be irresponsible so no one knows what you darvish is feeling but you know our town our town's a blue-collar town our town's a town where people go to work every single day like What are the whispers out there right now about you, Darvish, and and like you said, where his head's at right now?
6: Right. First off, if a guy says he's hurt, then I'm going to believe that he's hurt. And if that makes me naive, then fine. But uh, that's the one place I'm not going where I say this guy's a he doesn't want to pitch, he doesn't want to get better. That's not the case. But I do know certain cops have wondered privately when is he coming back? We need this guy. And he had a, a little flat ground throw session the other day that didn't go particularly well, particularly long, which I know uh, was greeted with uh, not sure what's going on here with Darvish, and that was not what Cub players wanted to hear because they know when he's right, he can really, really help this team. You- <laughs>
1: So, Abdallah, we have some uh, response on Twitter at Chris Bleck, at Adam A. Abdallah. Uh, Anthony tweets in from L.A. He goes, "I'm a no. I'm known as a Cubs fan out here, having coffee with the boys in the morning. Obviously, all Dodger fans. The rumor is L.A. is reaching out." For Harper and these boys are going nuts. So obviously Dodger fans are pumped because they think that they could get the Cubs this year again. Uh, Eric Gust, who is a great listener of the show, uh, tweets us, windows are extended only if drafts improve. The Cubs must start developing pitching and finding players after round one. Other teams do this all the time. And I totally agree with him. And, and that, like, that's the thing that's interesting about this is they drafted well to start the rebuild. But now it's like everything's here, and it's like you, you have to win
5: now because there's nothing down the pipeline. They 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 drafted well, but remember when we were talking about the drafts and when we were watching these prospects and and com- oh, at yeah, the time we were, we were Comcast, watching hobby and double A and at AAA. the time Comcast was running the games the same way that NBC yeah. Sports now is running yeah. White Sox games. What were they drafting? hitters yeah they were only drafting hitters. pitchers they never drafted pitchers well, they, really that's why drafted you gotta sign
1: pitchers then you go sign pitchers and then you, they and then you get they, you
5: said, they, pay, they said they would pay for pitchers well they paid for the wrong pitcher well yeah
1: it's true that's that's probably the case uh three one two, three three two, three seven seven six, chris bluck and Am abdallah here on a saturday afternoon that's right we're live and local right here on espn 1000 let's go to jack in norwood park jack what do you think of this cub situation
6: hey what's up guys how are you this what's saturday? up man what's jack. going on jack uh, I want to, to talk about a little bit about the Cubs and uh, you, Darvish. First of all, when I heard Suckless say that he wouldn't sign for two kids that are in wheelchairs, that's all I need to know about him as a person because that's disgusting, and he should be completely ashamed of himself in every way. That's number one. It says a lot about his character, in my opinion. And then number two, uh, Tyler, Ricky Vaughn, Chatwood, uh, he needs to go, too. <laughs> He needs to go too and because I don't know what they should do, but in my opinion, I'm asking your guys' opinion, and I'll listen to your guys' opinion on this. I think somehow, some way maybe in the off season, I don't know if they could do it. Maybe trade Schwabs, who I love, and Russell, who I like a lot also, and a prospect or two to try and get the Grimes somehow to come to Chicago. Okay, I'll listen to you guys talk. Have Thank a great weekend.
5: You too, Jack.
1: Thank you. We
6: appreciate
5: the call. Abdallah, your thoughts. I mean, you're gonna. That's what I said. I think you're gonna have to trade these guys to try to get pitching. I think you're gonna have to find someone who's willing to take Addison Russell and, and maybe a half or an Almora. You're gonna have to find a partner, maybe to an AL team for Kyle Schwarber because he's better suited as a DH. And who knows when the DH? You said the DH may come here, but. For all intents and purposes, the commissioner not. has said it's going to be the status huh. quo as far as uh, he's it's, concerned. It's baseball.
1: You know, I mean, there are still plenty of old people out there getting newspapers delivered instead of reading them on their phones or their tablets. Right. So, so like, think- there's a possibility that Grandpa Baseball doesn't adopt the DH to both leagues because yeah. there are people out there using AOL desktops. To sales. me,
5: the logical move is you spend a bunch of money on Machado or Harper and then you trade one of these guys that you have extra, extra guys. You trade Kyle Schwarber, You trade Addison Russell for pitching. That's right. what you
1: do. Uh, three one two three three two three seven seven six. Geo in North Lawndale. What do you think of the Cubs situation?
3: All right. Um, I think the 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 new move with uh, Hamels was definitely what you guys said that you know they, they don't see garbage coming back this year. That's out. There's only one team in baseball that I think is clearly better than the Cubs, and that's Houston. I think they they got a chance to beat everybody else, but this this thing with the pitching. Uh, and people, are, people in Chicago are down on Chatwood. I don't think Chatwood is really that far away. I mean, it, it's really just a control problem. I know everybody gets upset and he's walking a bunch of people. But people aren't really hitting the ball on him. He's just giving up a bunch of walks like the other day. If they let him in, I don't think he'd have given up the grand slam. He might have given up a couple of runs. But I don't think he would have given up the grand slam. So that's where I am. All the right. The are in a place where there they are a few good teams in baseball. And one clear
1: super team, and that's Houston. All right. Houston's appreciate the call, run. Gio. We appreciate it, man. Have a good Saturday. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like this call, but yeah. I just said, yeah, all right, all right, Gio. I mean, uh, I appreciate you calling. <laughs> Tommy in Lake Villa, what do you have for us? Yeah, I just wanted to say, I, I think
7: the Cubs haven't really worked out on the trade deal either. They traded for Quintana. I mean, they, they haven't had much luck on just, just pitching in general, uh, starters for that case. Uh, I, I, I do agree with the last uh, one of the last callers there. I think you need to trace Forbes, Russ, you know, and add prospects. You need to get some, some high-count pitcher in here that you know is not going to do
1: the U on you. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate your <laughs> call, <the> Tommy. <laughs> Tommy knows what's up. He, he's hurting. Yo! Alright, Abdallah. So we'll continue taking your calls on the Chicago Cubs. We're here till two thirty, talking you uh up to the pregame for Cubs and Cardinals this afternoon on ESPN one thousand and ESPN radio. We're gonna talk some NFL over unders win totals coming up Ooh. next with Chris Raybon from the Action Network and his show ESPN Plus. Have you seen it? I'll take that bet. It's on your phone. Have you seen the show? It's pretty good. It's on my phone. Yeah. So we'll talk some gambling and NFL coming up next right here on ESPN one thousand.
5: I do
1: it
0: so. Chicago's Game Day with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black on ESPN 1000.
1: Happy Saturday afternoon. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We'll continue talking Chicago Cubs baseball as we move through the afternoon, walking you into coverage of the Cubs and Cardinals. That kicks off at 2.30 right here on ESPN 1000. But Abdallah, in the meantime, it is time to talk some football because we are starting to get to this point of the summer Mm. where if you're not watching a baseball game, there's really not a whole lot of other sports things going on. So it's time to like deep dive into looking forward to the football season. And, and like that's like one of my favorite times of year is looking into schedules and rosters and depth charts and DVOA and trying to figure out which teams in the NFL are going to be really good and which teams you can maybe make some money on because they're not going to be so good.
5: I think you can kind of pinpoint who's going to be really, really bad and who's going to be really, really good. It's those like 20 teams in the middle. That like are like eight wins, nine wins, ten wins, and that's where you can sometimes find your value. Yes. In betting over unders for season win totals. Yeah, I mean like
1: the Browns of recent years yeah. have been fun to gamble on because they they were obviously never gonna hit the over. Yeah. Never. Right. So never, never, you play ever, the ever. under and you win, right? And same with the Chicago Bears. Same with the Bears. <clears throat> especially under john fox all right so now we go to the action network and espm Is i'll take that bet it's a show uh, right on espm plus on your phone uh we go to chris raybon he is a host on the show he also works for the action network he joins chris and adam right now on espm 1000 what's up chris
7: what's going on guys thanks for having
1: me on not too much. Just a uh, beautiful Saturday in the city of Chicago. So let let's start with the Chicago Bears. From your point of view, what are sharps and people saying about the Chicago Bears heading into this season? Most places has have their win total at six and a half games uh, for this season. Where do you see the Chicago Bears kind of shaking out this year?
7: I like the over. I think they can get. I think they can get to at least seven wins if even if they pencil in uh, both. Minnesota and Green Bay games on at home and on the road is losses and you say okay well they'll probably lose to the Rams and maybe San Fran as well because they have Jimmy Garoppolo that's only six losses and uh, you know they can still have some wiggle room to lose three more games I think Matt Nagy will be a major improvement over what John Fox is doing especially on offense if you look at John Fox he on first in the first half 32nd 30, 30 dead last in the week in. The amount of percentage of passes he threw, whereas Matt Nagy was first. So I think he'll balance the offense a little more. I think he'll play to Mr. Trubisky's strengths a little more, and they have a much better supporting cast. So I think you're going to see some improvement. Maybe not to the level of something like a Sean McVay with Jared Goff last year, but I think you'll definitely see some improvement from this uh, offense. And the defense is still in good hands with Vic Fangio.
5: What's the perception of Mitchell Trubisky around the? I guess as far as Sharps go? Because we know if Aaron Rodgers goes down, he moves the line, you know, a few points. If how, how does Mitchell Trubisky look as far as Sharps are concerned in his second season?
7: I don't think he would move the line too much only because he hasn't really proven himself yet. And he, uh, you know, he's coming off a season where we didn't really get to see uh, too much of him at, or as much as you would see out of a, a rookie quarterback that started as many games as he did because Again, John Fox didn't really want to take the training wheels off, but I will tell you that I also do a lot of work in you know in fantasy and DFS and I'll, I'll tell you that uh, you know the sharp fantasy players are are pretty high on Mitchell Trubisky as kind of one of those those late round quarterbacks that you can grab essentially for free, I'm expecting a lot of improvement not only because of Nagy, but just if you look back at some of the the quarterbacks that got drafted pretty high real these last few years and had poor to mediocre. Uh, rookie years, you look at guys like Marcus Mariota, he kind of came on in year two with a uh, 26-9 touchdown-interception ratio, Blake Bortles threw 35 scores in year two, Jared Goff 8 yards per attempt in year two so um, there's kind of a lot of optimism for for a leap for Trubisky for a number of reasons
1: you know, I was watching your show the other day. Uh, I'll take the bet on ESPN Plus, And one of the teams that you really like this season are the Houston Texans. And I think yeah. part of that is because of Watson, the quarterback, coming back and he'll be healthy for this season. Uh, if we ask one more question about Mitch Trubisky, when you saw these two coming into the league and what they did last season, what, do you think that the Bears made the right decision going with Trubisky over Deshaun Watson?
7: I mean, it's hard to say yes in hindsight because of just how dynamic Watson was, and I think anytime you can have a quarterback that um, you know is just like a game changer to that effect, a guy that can throw you know five touchdowns in a game and just put up some crazy numbers, I think I think you're going to always say, well, you know, they should have taken Watson. But at the time, I mean, it was hard to say there were question marks about Watson too. And I think I think honestly, Trubisky can be a very um, solid NFL quarterback if he's able to make some of those leaps, correct some things. Um, get some more experience, get a better supporting cast around him. He also adds probably more um, on the ground than than some people might think. So uh, you know, it's it's tough to say he's he, you know he he was better than Deshaun Watson, but that doesn't preclude him from being a, a pretty solid NFL quarterback. And as we saw last year, like the way the league is going now, the, the way the rule changes have kind of come and gone, and and the way the uh, the salary cap is working out. You can win with a guy like Mitch Trubisky if he if he kind of improves to a certain level. I mean, we saw Nick Foles uh, win a Super Bowl. We saw what Case Keenum was able to do with the Minnesota Vikings. So I don't necessarily think that you know Mitch Trubisky it's like it's over or anything like that. But um, you know Deshaun Watson is just, just a special special kind of talent, and I don't think a lot of people saw that because he did. He, you know the Bears weren't the only team that that
5: passed on Deshaun Watson. Speaking of the Texans, their win total for this year's eight and a half. And if you want to if you like the over you got to lay a lot of juice as it's minus 160. How do you look for value in a team that you think like let's say I think the Texans are going to win 9 games. I want to bet the over, but it's minus 160. Am I better off taking the under at 8 just cuz I'm getting plus 140 and a little bit of better value or do should I look for other teams that kind of have better odds and I'm giving up less juice?
7: Yeah, I mean, if you if you kind of think it's like right there at, at nine or eight, um, you know, it's probably better. Especially if you think it's right there at nine, and then they are just going to get to nine, you probably just want to pass on that bet. Um, but you know, I, I think I think you know I'm pretty confident in the Texans. I I think they can uh, perhaps get to uh, to even more than that. So I'd probably still take that over there. Um, obviously, it would have been a lot better to get it a little earlier in the off season when there wasn't so much juice on it. But if you just look at what Bill O'Brien has been able to do with Probably rosters that weren't even as good as this one. When you talk about his starting quarterbacks, where Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Hoyer, Brock Osweiler, he went nine and seven in each of those three seasons. Um, it wasn't until last year where they just got completely ravaged by injury. Um, now I think with you know Watson kind of coming back in year two, he looks ready to go, um, and uh, just, just some of the, the the defenders coming back that they just didn't have last season. I think this is a team that, that can win double-digit games. I think it's a really sneaky team, so uh, I'm still pretty confident in them. And the, the real bonus you have when if you're betting on the Texans to go over is that if you look at the Vegas win totals of all the teams they face and you kind of add all that up, it turns out that they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. So that's a that's a big plus when you're – if you're looking to
1: bet the Texas. Chris Raybon uh, joins us from the Action Network and also the show I'll Take That Bet on ESPN Plus. Joins Chris Black and Am Abdallah right now on ESPN 1000. Okay, so let's take a look around the NFC North. Last year, Minnesota was one of the best teams in football. We saw it early with the advanced analytics suggesting their defense was one of the best in football. Now they add Kirk Cousins to the mix as their quarterback. The over-under for their win total is at 10. Which way would you go with the Minnesota Vikings this season?
7: You know, it's interesting. I actually think 10 is probably the right number. That's a bet I really have a, a, a hard time kind of going over and under. It's tough to, 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 you know, confidently say they're going to win 11 games as good as their team is just because they're playing, uh, San Fran at Green Bay at LA and at Philly. Um, it's all, those are four games that they're playing in the first, uh, in their first five games. So, um, you know, all those quarterbacks you could arguably say are, are just as good. Uh, as Kirk Cousins or or better, and so there's a chance. I mean, Minnesota struggles right out the gate, and then you never know what what's going to happen down the stretch. But at the same time, I mean, this this is a defense that's just highly impressive. So you could also see them going, you know, 13 and three again uh, and repeating. So it's it's a really tough. I think 10 is probably probably the right number, but I, I'd probably lean lean just a little bit towards the over only because of of this defense. I think when you have a defense like that, it can keep you. In in a lot of games and kind of thwart some of the, the other high powered offenses that you're going to face. And it's a very well coached team um, with Mike Zimmer at the helm. I know they got some uh, some new coordinators
5: and whatnot. What about the Lions? They've got a new coach. Obviously, Matthew Stafford is much much more proven than Mitchell Trubisky. Right. But around here, a lot of people think that they're just slightly better than the Bears. Their win totals at seven and a half right now. They won nine games last year. Uh, where do you where would you go with the Lions?
7: I think the Lions are the team that's, that 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 probably draws the short end of the stick in this division. Um, you know, uh, it, it's going to be tough. But if you expect if you expect the Vikings to be as good, you know, at, at that ten at that double digit win level, you got to look at the Packers and say uh, if they get more, they're likely to get more games out of Aaron Rodgers this year. They're likely to rebound at least a bit. Probably have a winning record. They fired Dom Capers. They got Mike Pettin in there. Their defense could improve. They're actually favored in 12 games. And then you look at the Bears and you're expecting improvement from the Bears as well. So, you know, somebody in this division is going to have to kind of probably lose games. And if you look at the Lions, yes, they have a new coach in Matt Patricia, but, you know, we don't really know um, too much about what he is as a leader, as a head coach, as, as somebody outside the Belichick system. Um, there were kind of rumblings earlier in the off season, uh, that some of the players were unhappy with some of his methods. Um, the Lions were a nine and seventeen last year, but again, you look at the two games they played against Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers, they outscored the Packers sixty five twenty eight, won both of those games. They're a seven and nine team, perhaps, if Aaron Rodgers is playing there this year. They're only favored in four games, and really, what I, I think it comes down to, and what I always worry about with the Detroit Lions and. You know, we could it's hard to say whether this is a coaching issue or this is on just the roster construction in general, but the bottom line is Matthew Stafford is six and fifty two against winning teams. And you know, he had, they have home games against the Patriots, the Packers, the Vikings, the Panthers, the Seahawks, and they have road games against the Vikings, obviously, against the Packers, uh, against Dallas, against San Francisco. That's a lot of potential Winning teams that they might face, and if Matthew Stafford is, you know, winning, uh, you know, only 10 percent of those games, uh, it's going to be really tough for them to kind of get over that hump to eight and eight, especially in a division where you're expecting uh, two of the teams to improve from last year. So I think the Lions, you know, I like I like Marvin Jones, but I think Marvin Jones has really improved as a wide receiver. I think Stafford's a really tough tough guy and an above average quarterback, but he hasn't proven that he can win that he can win games with this kind of roster. I don't think the defense is, is particularly talented outside of, you know, Slay and Ansa. I think, uh, you know, Matt Patricia, we'll see what he can do, but it's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for them to win eight games uh, given the circumstances.
1: So you briefly mentioned the Packers. Uh, they're favored in 12 games heading into the season. Their over-under is at 10, but the over right. is plus 105. So to me, that, that seems like that's the value because usually when Rodgers is healthy, this team is a 12-win team, a playoff team. What do you think about the Packers?
7: I think that's another one where you know it's you know because they're getting the plus money. I think you lean toward the over, but I think it's kind of where it's at because um, obviously Aaron Rodgers in two of the last five seasons has you know he's missed half a year with the with the collarbone, and you know are we getting into Tony Romo territory now with just a, a really fragile bone there where if he gets hit once, you know he's in danger of going down again. We don't know, so I think there's a little kind of. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, trepidation with, with kind of go, getting too high on the Packers. But I think there's a lot to like with them when you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Um, and you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson coming to this defense. You know, Tremont Williams really had like a late career resurgence last year with the Cardinals. He's back. He should add some stability to a quarterback unit that has struggled over these last few years. Uh, you know, Kevin King is going to be in his second year, so perhaps he makes a leap. But, you know, I, I think the Packers, you kind of, you lean toward the over because you're getting that plus money, but there's at the same time, there are some, you know, reasons for concern. I mean, Aaron Rodgers in the last three years without Jordy Nelson, he, he, he loses a half a touchdown per game. His yards per attempt goes from 7.2 to 6.8. So, you know, there, there are some reasons for concern, but I think, again, quarterbacks are the most important thing. In this league and you know the Packers with a solid defense I think they can have a they also have a chance to have a better running game than they've had in a lot of the other seasons with Aaron Rodgers when you talk about Jamal Williams you got Aaron Jones coming back in week 3 and then you still have Ty Montgomery who can kind of be that that gadget guy who play out of the backfield uh, line up in the slot do a lot of things for you perhaps uh, be your third down back so I think I think there's a lot to to like with the Packers and I kind of cautiously um, Bang the over there.
5: What's your favorite over under win total bet going into this season?
7: Oh, absolutely, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, You know, they're still sitting at at eight and a half, and I just think I was really impressed with what uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was able to do being traded mid season to this team. Uh, You know, only had a couple of weeks to learn the playbook, was kind of thrown into the fire. The team is one in 10, and he rails off five straight wins. The, the team is able to put up over 40 points on Jacksonville, who had you know one of the best defenses that we've seen over the past few years. Um, was able to beat another playoff team in Tennessee, um, and so uh, you know, and this is all with Val Pierre and This is with Carlos Hyde instead of a guy like Jarrett McKinnon, who's a much better pass catcher. This is throwing to, to a fullback tied for his second most uh, target in Kyle Usechek. So. I think the the supporting cast will improve. They approved the offensive line with Lynchy with Weston Richburg coming over from the Giants. That could be kind of like an Alex Mack-like addition, that uh, similar to when Kyle Shanahan added Alex Mack to the the Falcons back in to uh, 2016, and they had a, a really good year. And um, and on defense, I think they'll they'll be incrementally better. You know, I think Richard Sherman, even though he's probably in the downside of his career. Still better than Dante Johnson, who is one of the worst corners in the league. I think the fact that they're only getting losing Ruben Foster for two games it looks like is going to be big. They also have a lot of uh, you know early round talent on that defensive line and that front seven that that, that could uh, you know conceivably get better and help this team. So I really like uh, that the 49ers to you know to go over their win total. And not only that, but I think you're it's, it's actually getting. Pretty good odds to for them to win the division outright uh, because they're not even the favorite. The uh, the Rams are the favorite, so I, I'm all in on the, the San Francisco 49ers this year. I think they're going to be a tough team to play um, all year for for any anybody as long as they have Shanahan and, and Garoppolo.
1: Oh man, the 49ers are plus 110 for the over as well. So I I, I, I agree with you. That's <laughs> fantastic, Chris. We appreciate the time today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Hopefully we'll get you on before the start of the season. That's Chris Raybon from the Action Network and ESPN Plus. The show's right there on your phone. I'll take the bet. Check it out. He's with Chris Millman, and they break down
5: bets each and every day. It's right there on the ESPN app. I wrote this down just for further reference. Yeah. Matthew Stafford is six and fifty-two against winning teams. That's insane. It is like, insane. Like I like I my mind was blown. Like well, you know, like there was a gif of a dude's head exploding when I heard that. Especially because I'm of the mindset that he's a
1: really good quarterback. Like I really like Matthew Stafford. If he yeah. was my quarterback, I would think I'd have a shot at winning the Super Bowl.
5: But to be fair, those there's always the Matthew Stafford is the king of the well, they're down. Let's see if Matthew Stafford can yeah. bring them back. Can he done this? Can he, yeah. he bring them back? And that's not real. I don't know if that's more of a Stat against Matthew Stafford or against his defense? At it's the time. all encompassing because
1: why are you down? Is
5: it because of a pick in the first first quarter, Truth. or is it because the defense
1: can't stop anyone? Exactly. So, so we'll find out. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. We'll talk more sports.
4: Sports
1: coming up next. All right. Welcome, Abdallah, here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We're talking sports, Abdallah. Sports. All right, coming up after Sports Center, we have news from the Chicago Cubs. Breaking when- news. When Cole Hamels will make his debut, we will also let you know which starting pitcher is heading to the bullpen. Think about it. It's coming up in five minutes on ESPN 1000.
0: This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com.
6: He was going the right way! Cohen! Cohen! I well, mean, he, he goes right. Oh, stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He wow. came for the massage.
0: He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Chicago's game day. Garcia's home. Hanson scores. Sucks Ryan! What a comeback. Zabieski escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run. Look at him go. And there's the athleticism for the rookie the wall! It's gone. This is Chicago's Game Day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com
1: Welcome in to Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are here until 2.30 walking you up to coverage of the Cubs and Cardinals. Pre-game for the Cubs and Cards starts at 2.30 on ESPN 1000 and ESPN Radio. We are open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Adam, before we went to break last hour, we teased Breaking News. Breaking news. We'll also talk with uh, Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal Podcast in about 25 minutes right <laughs> here on ESPN 1000. Some college football conversation coming at you on a Saturday afternoon, but we need to address the Chicago Cubs
5: first. Cole Hamels, recently acquired pitcher, will make his debut on Wednesday. And you ask, well, well what are they going to do? Are they going to do a six-man so, okay, rotation? Right, yeah, six, is Chadwick going to go to the minors? Is Hurler. Montgomery going to go to the bullpen? Six hurlers for the Cubs. None of the above. Oh. Tyler Chatwood, according oh. to Jesse Rogers, and according to everybody now, will be really? making his way to the bullpen. Oh. Chatwood said, quote, you never want that, but there's stuff I need to work out. So Mike Montgomery is slated to start Thursday.
1: Tyler Chatwood will be in the pen. Good. Cole Hamels, Debut for the Chicago Cubs will be on Wednesday. Good.
5: I like Mike Montgomery. I yeah, think he's yeah. earned a
1: spot in the rotation. That's that's okay. Tyler would ain't blank. Okay, well, let, let me ask you this question. If you walk everybody as a pitcher, yeah, what good is that going to be coming out of the bullpen when you're walking everyone let's, out of the bullpen? Let's hope he can dance. Okay. All right, so Wednesday, uh, the Cubs are in Pittsburgh, uh, and that is when you will see Cole Hamels, and then the Cubs come home on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday against the Padres before then heading to Kansas City. So they finish uh, the Cardinals series, and then they have a two-game set against the Pittsburgh Pirates in the middle of the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then home for the Padres. Mm-hmm. All right, I mean, Cole Hamels. I, I like and here's here's that- the other thing.
5: Sorry to interrupt you. I, uh, you don't seem very sorry, but go ahead, sir. I'm not. Uh, I, I believe that before the deadline that the Cubs will make will try to make another move for another bullpen arm hmm. and maybe have to move Chatwood even lower to the minors.
1: Well, you can't move him to the minors. Why not? That's something that's been discussed. Yeah, why, so why can't you move him? Because I think based on his contract, you can't move him to the minors. His contract says yeah, that? Yeah, seriously. Look it up. Come on. Look it up. Get the... Call Danny and ask him to look it up for you, Abdallah. Come on.
6: Danny!
1: Sean Davis and Felix Reyes are producing the show. Guys, back me up. Can they not move him to the minors? I don't think they can. I think they can uh, designate designate him for assignment, but they can't move him to the minors. I could be wrong, but I believe I've heard Jesse say that on this airwaves, that they can't move him to the minors, because wasn't that suggested earlier in the season? All right. I'm out here on an island, so I'm going to talk players. Best of luck to you guys, all right? I don't care. Chris Black by himself here on ESPN 1000 <laughs> and the up. ESPN app. Abdao's over here just looking up stuff on the you internet. You
5: told me to look something up, so I'm looking it up. Well, well, you, ask Jesse. You, I I'll think ask you Jesse.
1: spoke about something that's incorrect. I'll that's why Jesse. I'm saying.
5: I'll ask Jesse. I'll ask Jesse. Why, why don't you tweet Jesse, Jesse and ask him what's up no, with the WhatsApp? I'll up. ask him when we have him on the air in an hour so we'll talk to jesse rogers at 210 before
1: the cubs and the cardinals face a little off over an hour down in st louis the cubs lost last night and uh, you know what's interesting is this is probably the best worst team i've ever watched they are the best worst team you've ever watched like they're really good let's yeah. not let's not beat around the bush here first they're, their offense is awesome They're first uh the first place run differential everything stacks up but they're not really good and
5: i don't trust them in the playoff series they don't pass that eye test I trust them in a playoff series until they face the Dodgers. I don't.
1: Why? What do you have in a playoff series? You have one guy. Yeah. John Lester. Yeah. And you better hope that you're the best team in the division because if you have to burn Lester in a wild card spot, they are then the you're starting the division. your divisional round without Lester ready to go for game one. They are Which the means team. you
5: can't use Lester for game five. They're the best team in the division. Okay. By the Dodgers one, are two and a half games back. By a game and a half,
1: they're, they're, they're up on the Brewers. Okay. I'm not worried about it. All right. Fine. 3123323776. Let's talk some Chicago Bears football as we wait for the answer about uh thank God. Tyler I don't care. from Abdallah's question that he's supposed to DM Jesse Rogers, I'm not, but d- he's not I'm doing DMing.
5: it. I'm not sliding into anybody's DMs. Okay, I'm so done.
1: so here's the thing, Abdallah. Yeah. Uh, you look at the Bears and everything we've read and heard about Mitch Trubisky. Lots of optimism mm-hmm. with the Chicago Bears heading into camp. But why does Trubisky keep throwing picks?
5: Uh, he threw a pick six today to Nick Kwiatkowski, and then Prince of Mukamura picked him off in 7-on-7 seven seven drills. That's a half a dozen, inter- at least half a dozen interceptions for him through eight practices.
1: Here's Mitch Trubisky yesterday emphasizing
5: on taking care of the football. Now, before we play this uh, audio bite, what did you say he did today at practice? He threw a pick six and then another interception to Prince of Mucamora in 7-on-7 seven seven drills. Here's Mitch Trubisky yesterday.
1: We're always trying to take care of the football, so that's a big emphasis for this offense. Uh, 100% ball security, taking care of the football and making good decisions, so Uh, but we do, we do like to, as coach Nagy likes to say, test, test ourselves, see what throws we can make, test the defense and, and challenge them every day. Like they're challenging us. So, uh, you just got to find that balance and move on to the next play when, when there is a mistake. So I've I've been doing that all day and we continue to get better. So moving on and maybe Trubisky was just testing the defense, seeing if they could catch an interception and if they could
5: return a, uh. A pick into a pick six no, man, is pick that maybe six, something no, 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 he's doing is no, 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 no. he
1: thinking an extra level i ahead? was talking
5: to i was talking to not to name drop but Ooh, i was you got sources i was talking to chicago bear legend tom waddle <laughs> and we were talking about these interceptions and because it's training camp and you you you're focusing mostly on the offense sure. in these camps because we're like we're not saying oh Nick Wachowski had an interception and Prince of Mukamura had an interception. We're like Trubisky threw two picks, right? Right. We're focusing on the offense. And so when you're focusing on the offense and not the defense, you're obviously focusing on the negative things. And is it a he's learning a new offense? So he's they're just testing out plays to see what works and what doesn't because it's training camp and he's learning a new offense from the new coaching staff. Is it B, they're trying to get timing right in new routes because you've got rookies and you've got guys coming in uh, from different teams and all that kind of stuff? Or is it C, is he just throwing picks? Like is he just throwing picks for throwing picks? You know what I mean. Like is is Trubisky just missing receivers? Is he not running routes? Is he, or, is he not throwing to the right guys? Are balls getting tipped? Is he overthrowing? Is he underthrowing? What is going on? I'm now on an island right here on ESPN 1000. Adam Abdallah with you uh, until 2:30. I'm listening you. I'm listening to you. are our, you're listening not, listening to it. To, you're not listening to a damn thing I just said. I, I heard you. you didn't listen Trubisky to a damn picks. thing I just said. I'm listening. You had listen a, you a damn, conversation with a Waddle. Damn. What thing? are you doing?
1: I just. Said, you're ruining the you show. Were reading, you are reading. Oh, I can read and listen at the <laughs> same time. Reading. <laughs> I think I killed Felix. Okay, so this is why they're all laughing because <laughs> I tweeted Jesse Rogers as you were doing your little Trubisky uh, yeah, Tom uh-huh, Waddle story, yep, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And I sent, said to Dallas Jesse, to Abdallah wants to know if the Cubs can send Chatwood to the Miners. His response: Send Abdallah to the Miners. Yeah, I'm tweeting him. You're fine. Uh, Felix Reyes printed me out a. Uh, uh, column that talks about Cub fans wanting to send Chatwood to the minors, and the column says that you can't do it. Literally, you can't. Players with as much service time in the major leagues as Chatwood, more than six full years, they don't have options to send to the minors because they can refuse the outright assignment to the minor leagues. So take that and rewind it back, Adele.
5: Yeah, but isn't that what uh, Listella did last year?
1: Yeah, but no one wanted him. Chances are if Chatwood did that and someone else would like to have
5: they can have him. Oh, well, OK, they can have him. All right. Can you they get can back to him. your football thought? It was My great. point is that you have to wonder what is going on with these interceptions. Are you throwing it to the wrong? team? Obviously, you're throwing it to the wrong team. But are you missing routes? Are wide receivers making mistakes? Or is Trubisky just throwing, overthrowing, underthrowing? Is he just making bad plays on the field? That's what you have to wonder. And you have to wonder if if this is going on in training camp, and yes, they had the extra week leading up to this first preseason game because they're playing five preseason games. You have to wonder at what point is this going to carry over into the regular season? Or are they just working out the kinks here because it's training camp and you're insta- you're implementing a new offense?
1: Well, and it, it, it's, it's the basis of what this season is for the Chicago Bears. And it was really nice that you excelled through that answer, even though the paper hit your forehead and yeah. made it Noise. Yeah, because I'm a professional. That's what that noise was in the background. Was a a a crumpled up piece of paper hitting you in the forehead while you kept talking? I'm a professional. Um, The entire conversation of this Bears team this season, I get it. New head coach. There are pieces all over the field added to this team. The defense is pretty good. They can excel and they can get better. But everything comes down to how good Mitch Trubisky will be this year, thus how good the Bears will be going forward. Because if Trubisky doesn't improve in year two, or year three to the point where we feel as if he will be an elite quarterback in this league at some point. I mean, what are the bears going to do in that situation? If Trubisky's not an elite quarterback, you trade it up, you sold off assets to get this kid. And if he's not the guy, what does that mean for Ryan Pace? What does it mean for the team? Long-term got f- at least for a few years. Sure. There. But, but my, my point is we've seen flashes from other young quarterbacks where we know Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. We know, He's going to be good. That's a guy. Yep. Uh, and when you look at Trubisky, I wonder, and we can ask the question at 312-332-3776, will Mitch Trubisky have better numbers this season than Blake Bortles did
5: last year? Well, like Bortles. well Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles, stinks. He's the worst. Uh, 3,687 right? yards, 21 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. And he had a completion percentage of 60%. Mm-hmm. So will Mitch Trubisky be better than that? Because
1: I would say if you look at the blind resume and you just look at the numbers, 21 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, almost, you know, thirty-five over 3,500 yards and a 60% completion percentage, you'd say that's a pretty average quarterback. That's He's pretty good. He's the right?
5: 11th best quarterback in the league last year. Okay.
1: Blake 11th. Portals. 11th.
5: 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I
1: think if you then add the name Blake Bortles or you've ever seen him play in the fact that he can't make throws, mm-hmm. you would say, wow, he's trash. Mm-hmm. I hope Trubisky is better than Blake Bortles. So I, I put that poll question up earlier this week because I was arguing with Cap and Pat Boyle and Danny Zetterman on Cap and Company about this conversation about what do you expect from Mitch Trubisky in year two? So I put the numbers up there and I asked the question, will Mitch have better numbers than Blake Bortles did last year? Here are the options. Yes, no, ew. (laughs) Because, right, like you can't answer this question just give a yes or no. Because there is a category of people that look at the poll results and say ew to the way it's going. Because 60% of the people on my Twitter handle, at Chris Bleck, say that yes. Mitch Trubisky will have better numbers than Blake Bortles did last year. 21 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 60% uh, percent completion percentage. 34% say no. And then 6% say ew. Because, like, think about it. If we're even having this conversation at the end of the year, who's the better quarterback, Blake Bortles or Mitch Trubisky? Aren't the Bears in serious trouble? The only reason Jacksonville didn't win the Super Bowl last year or at least get to that game is, is because of their quarterback, Blake Bortles. That but, team is good enough to win a Super Bowl. But, but, except they have Blake Bortles at quarterback. But
5: we're not saying the Bears are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Well, right. So why does so he have to be but
1: doesn't that make the situation worse for the Bears if he's only as good as Blake Bortles? But why
5: does he have to be as good why does he have to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback in his first year with a new coach? He doesn't. His I'm second setting- year in the league. Listen,
1: I'm setting the floor at Blake Bortles. You're you're you you're could, setting the like, floor. I could I could also set the floor at Carson Wentz, and there no there's no way in hell that he'll be as good as Carson Wentz in his second year.
5: And Carson let's be Wentz let's get real had, about this, right?
1: He was an MVP candidate before he got hurt.
5: Yeah, he had thirty three hundred yards like, um, like I'll I'll go out on a limb 33 here. thirty three touchdowns and seven interceptions. Yeah,
1: I'll go out on a limb. He's not Carson Wentz. How about that? No, for a hot he's, take, he's right? Not, he's not Carson. Yeah, for a, a Saturday in the Sun hot take, right? Uh but listen, I give you a, a comparable player who has pedestrian numbers Blake Bortles I didn't give you Jimmy Garoppolo who the Bears missed out on I didn't give you Carson Wentz a player who was traded up for the year prior I'm giving you a guy or I didn't even give you Deshaun Watson who was fantastic in the games that we saw from him. okay yeah but he got hurt but he was awesome in the games that we saw wasn't he Mm -hmm. how many games did we see from Trubisky last year
5: Less than we should have.
1: Okay, and how many of those games was he awesome? Not many. Okay. Do you see do you see my point here is is just being better than Blake Bortles
5: is good if that happens, but if he's not, I would be worried. What if I told you that he were to have three thousand and three hundred yards ish. Okay. Twenty five touchdowns, twelve interceptions. I think that would be a great season. He's Andy Dalton, the 17th best quarterback in the league. I would say that that's good for his second season. Okay. But that means in year three, he's going to have to take another step up in yeah, class. Yes, because I think that I think we're going to see more interceptions. I think the, the 25 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, I don't think that that's enough interceptions. I think that from what we've seen so far in training camp, dude likes to throw picks. And I think that learning with a new offense and you have to play Super Bowl-caliber defenses. Like, you have to play the Vikings defense twice. You don't think he's going to get picked in the Vikings games? I mean, come on. I know. They were top-five defense last season. Exactly. I think, that the, I think that he's going to average a pick a game. I think he's going to have 16 picks. Well, he had seven interceptions, seven touchdowns
1: last year. Mm-hmm. I think it's realistic to look at the 2020 category. I think he could certainly give you 20 plus touchdowns, but I think at the same time, he will give you 20 plus interceptions.
5: Oh, that's bad. Well, if why? He's he, throwing
1: 20 interceptions.
5: That's a problem.
1: But, but we just talked to Chris Rayborn, and he talked about how the. Matt Nagy offense is going to throw the ball more than any other offense in the league. So, yeah, but so you're
5: Yeah, at a rate he's going to throw more because he's throwing. He's going to sure. throw more interceptions because the, simply for the fact that he's throwing more. Right is what you're saying. Yeah, but he should ultimately throw more touchdowns. Now, what you can't factor in is if Trubisky uses his arm to get them all the way down the field, and then Jordan Howard runs it in. You know what I mean? Like you can't factor for that yeah, kind of but stuff. But that'd be fine. i fine with that. The yardage stuff. would be there, and the wins would be there. But if I'm you go okay to NFL.com and Gil Brandt, who you have to fax, is mm-hmm. is that's a true story is, by the way.
1: <laughs> you do, As you of did. like two years ago, I when I booked Gil Brandt for uh, Jeff Dickerson and Jonathan Hood at night, I had to fax Gil. The request to come on the show.
5: Gilbrandt is a scribe. That is how you can you can describe Gilbrandt. He's an old school scribe of the NFL, yeah. and he was predicting leaders uh, for the NFL going into next season. And his top running back was Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard is going to lead the league in in uh, attempts, in yards, and touchdowns. Is that a recipe for success? For Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, obviously. You know why? Because if Jordan Howard's lack good... you taking the ball away from Mitchell Trubisky. Well,
1: well, but two years ago, who was the team that had the running back and the offensive line that were the best in football? The Cowboys. And what did they do? They got to the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah, the yeah. hot, young team coming in. Here we go. The Cowboys are back. Mm-hmm. And what happened last year? The running game, the offensive line, not as good as it was the year before. And then their rookie quarterback got exposed. Mm-hmm. So if you could protect Trubisky, it's not even a Mitch Trubisky conversation. It's a conversation about young quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Why, when Seattle won the Super Bowl and they they were that dominant team with that defense, why were they so good on offense? Because they had Marshawn Lynch and they had yeah. an offensive game plan that protected Russell Wilson. Yep. What started to deteriorate for the Seahawks as they put the ball more in Russell Wilson's hands? Even though he's good, it... It doesn't protect him anymore. If you can protect a young quarterback with a running game, that's great. That's fantastic. I have no problems with that. He just better be better than Blake Bortles.
5: Well, I mean. You traded up for him. He better be better than Blake Bortles. Well, you said he better be better than Blake Bortles. But then when I give you the Andy Dalton numbers, you say that those are acceptable. And Andy Dalton was worse than Blake Bortles. Yeah, but when you watch Dalton play, you can see him making
1: throws. He can make some throws. He's not great, but he can make some throws. Come on, Abdallah. We've all watched Blake Bortles. He can't make any of the throws. No. Hold on. Ready? Play it in your head. Jacksonville, third and five. Mm-hmm. And they do nothing out. And they do a little tight end uh, sweep deal. And no, a little screen. running, running no, back the out of the backfield. Screens. And Bortles sails the pass Over the player's head by by 10 feet. Of course. He did that in the first half against uh, the Steelers in that game. They they won because they built up the lead, but he was
5: terrible. It seems to sound like the only shining part of the offense coming out right now is Anthony Miller. And that's it. Which would be great. He could be the steal of the draft. He could be a great wide receiver for Trubisky. The problem is he's got to be able to throw to him. And right now, I know it's early. I know it's training camp, and they're still learning. They're only two weeks into this. But right as of right now, I think you have to be concerned about what you haven't seen from Mitchell Trubisky. Not what you have seen. I would say what you haven't seen. You haven't seen him dominate a game. You haven't seen him come back. You haven't seen him win anything. You haven't seen him dominate. He needs to dominate. And maybe we'll see. I mean, you look, you're not going to see a lot in the preseason. That's the preseason. But if they come out and they're 0-4 or something like that. Well, the first game, Sunday night, Green Bay. Yeah. On the road. On the
1: road. Hmm. Uh, Matt Nagy yesterday talking about Trubisky and the offense. He's always preaching pinpoint accuracy.
4: We always preach pinpoint accuracy. I uh, you have to be accurate. And you get bigger guys, uh, bigger running backs, tight ends, guys that have these bigger shoulder pads. If you throw anything behind them on the hip, now it slows them up. And now they'll get, it's a catch tackle versus putting it right on them, right in front of them. They have a guy trailing them. Do they have a guy? Are they running free? We teach that, that, that pinpoint accuracy. And so – um, he'll kind of get a feel for who these guys are, what their speed is coming across, for instance, on a shallow cross and where to throw the football. So there, there were some inaccuracies, but that's kind of natural, and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll keep getting better.
1: Also yesterday, uh, Coach Matt Nagy on Mitch Trubisky, how Mitch wants perfection, but he's happy where he is at this point in training camp.
4: He's so competitive that he wants to be perfect on every single play. It's impossible. You can't be perfect on every single play. So that that's my job. To make sure that he understands that you can't be perfect every single play, and let's try to be as good as we can, and then understand the whys. Um, but I'm I'm uh, I'm so so happy with where he's at, uh, and then to see Chase and Tyler and Rags and Mark all talking to him, and just we're we're in this thing together, and we all believe wholeheartedly in him. We know he's going to do well, but we're all going to be teachers so that he can be the student and understand.
1: So, Mitch Trubisky in training camp, like Abdallah said, has not really shown us anything to wow us, but there are plays where you're starting to say, wow, each day I kind of pick up and and I see what guys are tweeting in camp, and it seems as if each day, oh, two picks here, two picks there. Oh, okay, a nice throw there, but oh, here we go, pick six here. and It's just...
5: It's just something to keep an eye on. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it, it's something to watch as you go into these preseason games. Now you're not going to see a lot in the first preseason game, I would imagine, because no. it's that extra one. You're going to see a uh, series and maybe one throw from Trubisky, and the rest. No shot. He won't throw. He won't throw. Three handoffs and out. Three Bye. Hand, oh. Bye. Throw once. No. For the people. Nope. Just throw for the people. Nope. Throw for the people no people just one pair one Z- person zero one, zero one person no he's got
1: hair now he doesn't need it
5: yeah you're right he, he doesn't
1: need and it. a jacket he's got a cool jacket does have a nice jacket that's
5: i want one of those jackets
1: you'll you will never get a hall of fame jacket from anything
5: i that's a that's a lie i could get a lot of halls of fame i get egyptian egyptian hall of fame what no this is egyptian hall of fame there's no. got to be there's an italian american sure there hall is fame. but what have you done to be in it oh i'm here baby doing what this they get they give those things out for people who accomplish things this i've this is accomplishment i'm here on a saturday accomplished i'll be here tomorrow on a sunday morning yes accomplished at eight
1: o'clock sober tomorrow morning
5: sober as a bird
1: yes congratulations that doesn't qualify you for a hall of fame for you don't you don't know my
5: people (laughs) Maybe I
1: don't. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk some college football with one of our favorite football guests, Dan Rubenstein, from the Solid Verbal Podcast. Don't miss it. It's coming up right here on ESPN 1000.
0: Chicago's Game Day with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black on ESPN
1: 1000. Welcome back to Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black, along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. and at Chris Black. Happy Saturday afternoon. Abdallah, we only have like five more Saturday afternoons where we have to find something to do before we can just watch college football all day
5: long from 11 a.m. to 1 in the morning. Do you know how many times I've uh. watched the dark Knight, or the dark Knight rises or batman begins or some form of christopher nolan batman movie in the last few weeks it's insane i just want college football to be back so bad
1: i actually fell asleep during inception the other night and then realized that That's i was bad. watching a movie and then dreaming about a movie about dreams inside of a dream and he i was like you. all right you're right abdallah i want college football to be That's back." what happened when christopher nolan gets you yeah i know Okay. So let's talk to one of our favorite football guests, Dan Rubenstein from the solid verbal podcast. You can catch them on iTunes, also their website, the solid verbal. It's an absolute must listen to if you're a college football fan. And we welcome Dan to the show right now. It's Chris and Adam. What's up, Dan?
8: Not much. All I want to do is talk about the most watchable, basic cable, Sunday afternoon movies now. I think it might be The Breakup. I think Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston is, like, the tailor-made movie for that.
1: See, that's a good one. The other one, like, long-term, has been Point Break. Because whenever the original Point Break is on TV, you have to watch that.
8: Oh, anytime. I... I actually realized one of those movies that might actually be, like, one of my five favorite movies, and that's Catch Me If You Can, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's a good one, too. unbelievably rewatchable.
5: Recently, there's been a lot, because the movie has come out, there's been a lot of reruns of Jurassic Park on TV. And I will watch the original Jurassic Park whenever it is on TV.
8: They always travel in herds. Yes, they, it's just the facts of life.
5: <laughs> All right, so
1: uh, let's let's talk some college football before we get yelled at for talking about random movies from our bosses. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, as we look at the big time, big time media days took place here in Chicago this week and. We'll get to Ohio State, who's probably the most stacked team coming into this season, but to me, the most intriguing team as we head into the season is Michigan, because Jim Harbaugh is entering year four, and he has not had success about against the best teams in this conference. What do you think about Michigan heading into year four with Jim Harbaugh?
8: I feel good. I feel, especially because of that defense, because it seems like there's enough continuity on offense, they're going to get healthier at receiver. I know there's a lot of optimism at quarterback with Shea Patterson. But honestly, if they get even above average quarterback play and receiver health, and, you know, Cron Higdon, I think, is one of the, the real underrated running backs in the country, and then up front on defense, having Rashawn Gary, having Aubrey Solomon, getting Chase Winovich back, like all of this is enormous for Michigan. The schedule isn't fantastic, but there is something to be said about having that stacked roster of juniors and seniors who have played a ton of snaps. So, Defensively, I think they're going to be fine, and all they need is above average from Chase Patterson, which I don't think is asking too much. So if they feel like a 9-10 win team, the problem is they have Urban Meyer in their division. That's the, the enormous problem, that it's hard to judge them without the context of Ohio State.
5: And how long do you think Michigan is going to be willing to put up with the fact that, oh, okay, we can't get past Ohio State and Urban Meyer? Because it seems like... Yeah, they're fine. They can get there, but once they get to Ohio State, they always they haven't been able to get over the hump. And it seems like if you were watching any of Big Ten media days, Jim Harbaugh is not long for these media days. Like he does not. Like he it was funny at first and now he's just not having it. It's
8: yeah, it's rough. It's it's going to be tough for Michigan when everything is in that Ohio State context and Jim Harbaugh is the, the sort of charm is worn off a little bit, the excitement of Jim Harbaugh is worn off a little bit, and it's not like he's recruiting top three, four classes every year. So there is there is an element of, like, how are we getting over the hump? And it's not as if Lloyd Carr beat Ohio State every year. It's not as if Brady Hoker, Rich Rod, beat Ohio State every year. So it's not like Jim Harbaugh is deviating from recent Michigan success. He's just, it's more of the same, but with more money. So... I don't anticipate it being like a make-or-break year, but it could be, at the end of the year, a situation where they're saying, what are we doing here? What is the plan? What is our action plan moving forward? Why aren't quarterbacks developing? Do we need to, like, scrape it down to the studs? I think there's going to be, if it's not this year, if something doesn't happen where they are in contention for the Big Ten title... I think you could see major changes on that staff.
1: Okay, so Jim Harbaugh specifically, has the luster kind of worn off of him? Because when he came to Michigan, everyone kind of looked at him as the guy that shows up somewhere, and immediately his teams win, and they win big. Has the luster started to wear away from Jim Harbaugh as a coach and a, like a game-changer when it comes to quarterbacks and building up an offense?
8: Yes the luster has worn off without even hesitation to me. And you could see that with the, the reaction that people had with uh, with media day. And it's just usually it was like, oh, well, here's Jim Harbaugh getting cranky and throwing out these weird idioms. And now it's just like, no, just give us information. We just want to talk to you like you're a coach who has a plan and has something to say and address. And it was, you know, all of them running around without a shirt at cams and going to Europe. All of that makes for good, real short-term social media fodder. But at this point, it, it seems – I don't want to say that it's tired. It's just we're, wait, we're waiting for phase two of the Jim Harbaugh experience at Michigan. And I think everybody at Michigan needs to sort of figure out how to get to that phase where we're not just looking at Jim Harbaugh as like a fun coach who comes in and immediately changes things because he hasn't really in any dramatic way.
5: Where does Ohio State fit into the uh, college football playoff uh, conversation this year? I I think right at the
8: top with Alabama. (laughs) It's hard to say anything less than that, given what they look like on defense, given the receiving core, given what I think should be a very good year for Dwayne Haskins. So to me, in terms of talent passing the ball consistently and hopefully not running as much, I think he has a higher passing ceiling than JT Barrett, who is an all-time great Ohio State quarterback in terms of you know, how long he's been there and everything he accomplished. But I think that that small window into Dwayne Haskins we got during that Michigan game where he just came in and sliced apart a really, really good Michigan defense. I am I'm hoping for big things. I know they have TCU early on, which is going to be a, a good window into their progress with Haskins. But I like the coaching staff a lot. I like, you know, what, what they're able to do to disrupt quarterbacks everywhere they play. Uh, Ohio State is right there. They are are no less than a top three team in the country.
5: But are they good enough in a playoff situation to beat a Clemson who's going to be really good again, Alabama, Georgia, who could be in the conversation again, one of those teams? Are they at that level right now, or are they just the best in the Big Ten?
8: Oh, they're definitely at that level, and it's hard to say something like that. They've been shut out in a playoff game within the last two years, (laughs) I understand that, but Yes, with that combination of defense and having a good Dwayne Haskins, if he is as good as at least I think he will be, uh, the receiving court just sort of changes the geometry, I think, for them, throwing downfield, and they have one of the best, probably five running backs in the country in J.K. Dobbins, which, if you remember when they actually won the national championship, it wasn't necessarily on the back of a quarterback. It was up front on defense, and it was a game-changing running back in Zeke Elliott. So there is something to how they can look against Georgia, Washington, Oklahoma, any of those teams that will at least win them one game and not get shut out. I know that's a pretty low bar, but the Big Ten has been there with both Ohio State and Michigan State in the playoffs.
1: So if we look at the rest of the Big Ten East, obviously we have leaders in Ohio State and Michigan But you have Trace McSorley returning with James Franklin at Penn State. Can this team actually compete to win the division? Or is it definitely going to be Ohio State that gets into the Big Ten championship game?
8: Oh, Penn State can 100%. I think that's the big overlooked storyline, not even just about the Big Ten East, but the nation of college football. because. Their schedule is such where early on they open with, I want to say they go to Pitt, who's not that good. They go to Illinois early. They go to Indiana. I know they go to Michigan. They go to Rutgers. So I like looking at road schedules, and Penn State's road schedule is phenomenal. And I'm never really worried with teams that recruit as well as Penn State does on defense, even as much as they lose on defense, especially up the middle from game changers. Those players in State College play with effort. They they care. And they, they sort of there's enthusiasm about that defense that because the talent is where it is, Micah Parsons I think is the next great Penn State, you know, edge rusher. And I, I love that combination of quarterback with Trace McSorley, the young receivers he has available to him. Um, the big question to me is Ricky Ronnie and what he looks like calling plays without you know Joe Moorhead there. I it looked good against Washington to me and I, I like that schedule a whole bunch. I like the experience Trace McSorley. I, I would almost have Penn State maybe ahead of Michigan, uh, just in terms of how prepared they look to compete with the nation's best right now.
5: What do you make of Notre Dame this year? They start with Michigan. They've got to go on the road against USC at the end of the year, but then they've got some winnable games there in the middle. Could they make a run at being one of those teams that we're talking about a, a playoff spot at the end of the year?
8: Playoff seems to be a stretch because the quarterback question, I know Brennan Wilbush, he'll give them something that a lot of teams don't have with his feet, but the way he finished those last four or five games, it, it worries me about Notre Dame, and I say that as somebody who loves Notre Dame's defense, loves you know, Jerry Tillery and Drew Tranquil and Julian Love. All of these guys are all-American caliber players on defense if everything breaks their way, and the schedule's not horrific. This is a good year to get Virginia Tech with a lot of questions about that offense. You know, Wake Forest loses their quarterback and a lot of big pieces on offense. It's weird to talk about Wake Forest in terms of a a tough team to play, but Stanford lost a ton on defense. You know, they get Florida State late in the season, which is worrisome, but Notre Dame solidly feels like a 9 or 10 win team, I think just short of the playoffs because of uh, my questions about Wimbush's arm.
1: So another local team here in Chicago, the Northwestern Wildcats, and I don't know if you know this, Dan, but they have the longest winning streak in college football at the moment.
8: Power five schools.
1: Not power the, five yeah. schools. Come on, what are we talking about? Of course, power five schools. But, Dan, Northwestern, can they can they avoid the slip-up early in the season? Because it seems like each year we look at Pat Fitzgerald and the way this program has been built, and we say, okay, there are high hopes. Each year he keeps building. It's a better team each year. But each year in September, they lose a game that they shouldn't lose, and it knocks Northwestern back down a step when they are trying to progress in the, in the Big Ten.
8: To me, it's that week one question traveling to Purdue with an experienced quarterback, even though Purdue loses a ton on defense, you know, Jeff Brom with a lot of time to repair, I think he'll have that offense doing interesting things in year two. I think they're going to evolve. Um, yeah. That's the thing. If they can get past Purdue, they should be three and zero with Duke and Akron going uh, into that Michigan week who they get at home, but that's, it's a rough stretch, but I, I think it's what Michigan and then they go to Michigan state and then host Nebraska. So, if they can get to that Rutgers game, October twentieth, at like five and one, four, even four and two, that to me feels like they can win eight games. They can they can cobble together. They'll beat somebody that they probably shouldn't, like they always do. Whether it's Wisconsin or Notre Dame, who both go to Kyle Field, yeah, I think they're an eight win team. I don't think they're going to win ten with that bowl game again. But yeah, Northwestern is going to be at least solid enough everywhere. I like them on defense as much as the offense has gotten attention. Justin Jackson is gone. I don't love the skill talent, but they're well-coached enough on defense that they're just going to be in everything and make a team like they did with Michigan State last year pay late. And so, yeah, they feel like they can go 8-4 and, and, be, and be solid.
5: I'm going to ask you fill-in-the-blank question. Blank yeah. is going to be the most surprising team of this college football season. Ooh, Ooh. Nationally? Yes. Ooh,
1: putting him on the spot. Abdallah coming in high. Ooh. Okay. Um,
8: <laughs> I think, and I, this is, okay, I'll give you a homer and non-homer pick. My obvious homer pick is I think Oregon's going to have a better record than they actually are because their non-conference and even their conference schedule sets up perfectly, and they probably have, like, a top seven quarterback. So they could go 10-2 and two, uh, a couple years after going, what, 4-8. and eight. So that, that could be a big turnaround there. Um, if I'm going to give you a big, big surprise, I think Iowa might be able to win nine or ten games. Oh my god, we got to do this again count? with
5: Iowa. Does
8: that uh, count? <laughs> see, Abdullah hates Iowa. I people.
5: hate Iowa. So ever since the playoff started, people are like Iowa's. Like, give us a chance. Give. No, I, Iowa is just they, they play bad. They are just a victim of their uh, schedule. He, I feel like they now. play bad teams, and then when they have to show up and play a real team, they get their, they they get they lose. Are we talking <laughs> about Iowa or Wisconsin right now? Both. Yes, okay. all of them.
8: Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you a team out of nowhere. Then I'll say Mississippi (laughs) State. I'll give you Joe Moorhead and Mississippi State with experience on offense, a higher talent level than people realize on defense, and a good year. I mean, they go to Kentucky early on, to Kansas State, who's rebuilding a ton on defense. Uh, I think Joe Moorhead inherited a lot more than people realize. I know they go to Alabama, but it's a good year to get Texas A and M in year one of Jimbo Fisher. Good year to get Arkansas. Ole Miss is still kind of a mess. They could win nine games and even give Alabama a run for its money, like they did last year. I think Joe Moorhead has a really nice year.
1: That, the, that's the that's a good answer because Abdallah's happy with that because he just yeah. hates. So the the basis of the conversation was all the people who who say that the playoff needs to be more than four teams always point to well Ohio State missed out. And we always say, well, you don't have to give up 55 points to Iowa, and you could be in to. the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so this whole conversation, we go back and forth with Tom Waddle on this. He hosts on our station here at ESPN 1000. He wants eight, 16 teams in the playoff. And we're like, college football is perfect the way it is. What do you say? Oh,
8: well, I think college football is perfect the way it is. I have, like, come full circle in, I think, like, week 11 or week 9. When you get into October, that's the best of the college football season. Like, coming down to a four-team playoff where you have the same teams every year with the most talent and the highest-paid coaches, that's when it all starts to feel familiar. I like the, the unfamiliar. I like the new. And that's like the week Minnesota somehow upsets Michigan or, you know, Iowa blows out Ohio State. That, to me, is like the apex of college football fun. So I like that chaos. I like that weirdness. So adding going to 16 teams I don't think it discounts or devalues the regular season I just think nothing is as out of nowhere with 16 teams and if you want to go to eight teams if you want to go to teams excuse me to 16 I'm fine with that but like to me it feels like a really good bell curve sport like the peak of college football is like October 17th.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's fantastic because each and every week you tune in and there's something great. Okay, uh, there is a window of opportunity August 11th here in Chicago because the Solid Verbal podcast is coming here for a live show. Tell us about it, Dan.
8: Oh, my God, it's going to be the greatest time. So the Solid Verbal, my podcast, we do this show every year called the Fantasy Things Draft, where instead of drafting players up to a fantasy team, we draft storylines or narratives, and they're all ridiculous and stupid. We draft things like... Michigan State disrespect, or like a college commercial featuring ballet dancers and somebody looking into a microscope, like the tropes of college football, Jim Kelly coaching rumors. And so we draft those onto a team, and any time, any week where one of those things is out and about in public, either Ty or myself, my co-host, we get points. So we have this ridiculous draft. This year we're doing it in Chicago because For whatever reason, Big Ten fans love us more than any other fan. So I'm a fan of Chicago. My wife is from Chicago. I like eating Mexican food in Chicago. So we're doing the show at the Vidim Theater in, it's like Noble Square, West Town area. It's going to be a fantastic time. There's not that many tickets left. So anybody listening, we'd love to come and have you hang out. You can meet... The radio's Adam Abdallah. Like, how great is that? Wow, that's
5: impressive. Wow, I'm, I'm clearly. I, t- I talked to another Adam that's going to be a part of this, and he's a much more, much more wow. famous Adam. That's the Adam Abdallah's going to be there. Abdallah's the gonna Adam, be there. No, no, You can worship wow. at the altar of Amin, from what I'm hearing as well. Wow, the, and The Amin? altar
8: of Adam Amin. Wow. You will be able to pray to the altar of Adam Amin. Adam Amin. Will, I think Adam Kramer from Bleacher Report. Any, any moderately wow. well-known Adam who likes college football is going to be there. Um, SolidVerbalTickets.com is where you can get tickets. It's a a fantastic time.
1: And, uh, Dan, the thing that I like the best as you guys promote this is that you make it clear that you guys are going to go out and drink with those who show up because why not? We're all going to hang out that night.
8: It's one of the coolest things, and one of the things you guys know is when you randomly come across people who listen to and hopefully enjoy your show, it's just this incredible feeling to connect with people about your weird sports opinions So, yes, we're going to go out after the show. We'll find a bar in the area. We'll tell everybody where we're going. I'm a lightweight, so I'll be drunk after like a beer and a half. (laughs) And everybody listening, drink responsibly. Yes, Um, right. right. And that's what we'll do. We just have fun with everybody that comes out, and we share our really dumb and fun college football opinions. And, it's listen, if you're listening to this, you're probably in Chicago during the summer, and you're a happy person. Come be happy with other like-minded college football fans.
1: Perfect. We will see you on August 11th. All right, Dan. I can't wait. All right, that's Dan Rubenstein, the Solid Verbal Podcast on iTunes. I listen to it daily. Uh, they're doing great previews of each division in college so football, good. so it's not just the conference. They're going division by division. Uh, there's a Kima Lajwan fan that just walked by and saluted Abdallah. No, right that now, was that was not a salute. That was that quite was was the not a salute. salute. That was for you, not a salute. Oh, that guy was that happy was, to see he, you.
5: He was. Uh, it was. He was. Nope. You can't even say what he did. I can't even begin to say what he did. All right, so uh, Dan Rubenstein, the Solid Verbal Podcast,
1: they're fantastic. Uh, And you can go out and see them live August 11th. And I don't know if you heard that, but if you were listening closely, did you hear that Adam Abdallah will be there? Uh, Sean, Felix, you guys are producing the show. Adam Abdallah will be there. I mean you're Blake? gonna be Blake? you're coming too. Be too but you're coming but you, too but if you could get there to meet the adam abdallah <laughs> uh, i mean he's perfect wow. if are, are, you bringing, up, are you bringing are you bringing headshots to sign no why are you being little little swaggy abdallah headshots you, we'll take being, care of those why, for you we'll wow. oh, wow. bring headshots for why you the you being a bag. adam abdallah there are people stopping for other stories why, <laughs> why are you being a bag why are you being a bag why do you need a bag? A bag? A bag. You know no what I'm talking about. I don't think you can about. say that. I can, can you say, say that?
5: I can say a defensive bag. A money bag? Yeah, money bag. Money bag, yo. Because I'm cool. What the, is that? That's a guy, right? Money I, bag, yo? I've got one more question. Uh, is that a guy? That's a guy. You are uh, correct. Okay.
1: I've got one more question about Jim Hardball that we will address coming up nice? next on ESPN 1000.
7: All right. When I was you, all
1: I get is Chris Black and i Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. It's Black and the Adam Abdallah talking sports with you right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, coming up in five minutes, Abdallah, I want to ask you about Jim Harbaugh. We have the Cubs game coming up, and Jesse Rogers coming up mm-hmm. in ten minutes. Cubs and Cards at 2:30 right here on ESPN friends. 1000. The Abdallah. Oh, what? <laughs> Welcome back to ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah right here on ESPN One Thousand. We will hear from the Cubs and the Cards in thirty minutes right here on ESPN One Thousand. Here, here's the thing, Abdallah. As we start our uh, third hour right here on ESPN One Thousand, you can tweet us at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are here till two thirty. We will talk to Jesse Rogers in ten minutes right here on ESPN One Thousand. A lot of Cubs news. The Cubs and the Cards. Uh, They lost last night. A lot of news coming out. Chatwood going to the bullpen. Hamels will pitch on Wednesday. We'll cover all of that conversation. We're uh, sitting here this afternoon talking Chicago sports with you at 312-332-3776. Felix Reyes and Sean Davis are producing the show, and I don't think they've had this much fun working on a Saturday in
5: quite some time. Oh, yeah. You and I are going back and forth with each other. Uh, You don't want to come to dinner with me tonight. Um And yeah, we've just, you know, they, I don't think they realize that you and I have known each other since high school and that we yell at each other a lot. And and, I I, I appreciate uh, how, and and Josh at each other. uh, Is that what they call it? Josh. I appreciate how I
1: I bring them into the mix and then you speak for them. I, I, guys, have you had fun with this today? I didn't know you were asking the question. no, Uh. but, but the Adam (laughs) Abdallah here uh, is speaking Mm -hmm. for everyone today.
0: Usually the pregame fist fight is figurative. ESPN Radio Sports Center Hall of Fame: Six new members. A look back at what made them so great. Plus, with the trade deadline approaching Tuesday afternoon, are there any deals still out there? And what does Cole Hamels bring to Chicago Cubs and Cardinals? Are next. On ESPN Radio. God, oh, look out! Leaping and he caught it. He absolutely made a brilliant catch. Swinging a in. Breaks out the side.
1: Now, here's- Welcome back to ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black <laughs> along with Adam Abdallah right here on ESPN 1000. We will hear from the Cubs and the Cards in 30 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. Here, Here's the thing, Abdallah, as we start our uh, third hour right here on ESPN 1000, you can tweet us at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are here till 2.30. We'll talk to Jesse Rogers in 10 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. A lot of Cubs news. The Cubs and the Cards... Uh, They lost last night. A lot of news coming out. Chatwood going to the bullpen. Hamels will pitch on Wednesday. We'll cover all of that conversation. We're uh, sitting here this afternoon talking Chicago sports with you at 312-332-3776. Felix Reyes and Sean Davis are producing the show, and I don't think they've had this much fun working on a Saturday in quite some time. Oh, yeah. You and I
5: are going back and forth with each other. Uh, You don't want to come to dinner with me tonight. Um and yeah, we've just, you know, they. I don't think they realize that you and I have known each other since high school and that we yell at each other a lot and Josh at each other. Uh, is that what they call it? Joshing? I appreciate
1: how I, I bring them into the mix and then you speak for them. I, I, guys, have you had fun with this today? I didn't yes, know you were asking them a question. Uh, no, uh. But, but the Adam Abdallah <laughs> here uh, is fist- speaking for everyone today. Usually the pregame fist fight is figurative. Well, yeah. Well, it's Chessy Abdallah, and Sylvie knows Chessie this Abdallah. because Abdallah is like full, full go today. He is yes. just on something.
5: You're not being a nice guy. I asked you to dinner, and you're you were not interested. I asked you That's to cool. dinner, and you're not interested. <laughs> what do you mean? It's cool. Felix, Sean, your thoughts. You guys are both. You guys are both married. Right? Abdullah,
0: you're you kind of playing the victim.
5: You guys, right okay? Yeah. Hold up, yeah. you're,
0: you're kind of playing on. the victim just, right now. On. on, John's the new target. Uh-oh. Let me move this mic. Let me move this mic around. No, let's talk about it.
5: Hold oh, no. on. Here we go. You're both married. Your wife says to you, "I want to go to a restaurant tonight," and I go, "Okay, fine. Let's go to that restaurant." And you are very liberal inviting people. Yeah. Would right. Yes. Right. So he says. Where are we getting dinner tonight? And I said, you and your wife are more than welcome to come with me and my wife to this place because this is where we're going to dinner. And he gets all bent out of shape like I didn't invite him. She wants to go somewhere. We're going to go to that place for dinner whether they come or not because she wants to go. Well, what maybe am I supposed he thought.
0: Maybe he thought once you found out you were going there, you should have immediately immediately have texted him and said, "You know what? You guys want to come?"
6: He, he
5: kind of no, brought you guys it up. There. No BS. You he guys kind of brought
0: it up in the newsroom.
5: Okay, but how many minutes after he walked in? Thirty seconds? Not even. So he there's like a five minute grace period here. We're here for five, uh, three hours together. I can't. I have three hours to ask if he wants to go to dinner. It's two <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. What time are we going to dinner? Six. Five?
1: Sir, can I talk some football while, while you figure this you out? You brought this
5: up. You brought this upon yourself. So are, you, are you treating tonight? Am I treating? <laughs> are you treating?
0: What, what, what is this? No. I was just asking a question. You invited him. What? what, what, what? Usually Who's the tra- people that invite, they <laughs>
5: treat. Where are
1: you from? What do you mean? He's from
5: Chicago. That's common knowledge. Like the rest of no, us. No, it's not. If I say, hey, we're all coming to dinner. Do you guys want to come? I got to pay the bill for 10 people.
1: Yeah, kind of, if you were a nice guy. Yeah.
5: That's BS and you know That'd it. be nice. That is BS and you know it. You know what? Know you
1: it. went, like, way off the
5: tracks with the 10 people. We're talking about you and your best friend here. Okay, fine. If yeah. I say, do yeah. you and your wife want to come to dinner with me and my wife, I got to pick up the tab for four, for four people? You could say it's on us. It'd be nice. Well, it's on us. Then well, they could return the favor. Yeah, sure. They will return the favor.
1: Yeah.
0: They sure. will It's, the favor. Yeah. They it's not like you're going the... to a steakhouse. You don't know? They put steak. On you're going to
1: order, like, two large pieces and share it. Guys, I have thoughts on Jim Hardball. if, if, you if anyone if up. anyone doesn't mind God, before we before we get to Jesse Rogers I and his report down I'm, in St. Louis. Now I understand that, what that, Cap goes through. Is that through something what Cap, Cap enjoys <laughs> hanging out with <laughs> me? You don't okay, don't you start yeah, with this uh-huh. Abdullah. That's not what I've heard. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Good for him. Uh, did you hear this Crowley Sullivan who writes for Spartan Wire at <laughs> at Big Ten Media Day? <laughs> What is so funny? Hold on. Did you hear what this happened with uh, Jim Harbaugh over the week at Big Ten Media Day?
5: Oh, he looks like a Crowley.
1: Here's the conversation, the question asked to Harbaugh in his response earlier this week at Big Ten Media Day.
3: He came into Ann Arbor with perhaps the most hype of any coach in the history of the Big Ten, maybe in all of college football. A few years later, you've got a third place, third place, and fourth place finish being your 1-5 against Michigan State and Ohio State. What do you have to do this year to demonstrate to the Michigan community that you are on the path to achieving what they hired you to achieve? Well, the improvement will lead to success, will lead to championships.
1: You came in Ann Arbor with... So there, there's the question asked to Jim Harbaugh about... His success at Michigan coming into year four, and we we know he's 28 and 11. He's one and five against Michigan State and Ohio State. He's not won any big games. His team two years ago had a championship quality team that didn't make the championship game. And he had Jabril Peppers and all these outstanding defensive specialists. Now you head into this season. We just talked to Dan Rubenstein about the luster, the appeal of Jim Harbaugh as a game-changing head coach in college football and in football in general. This is all kind of starting to wear on the luster of that head coach, right? Because now he's starting to seem a little bit like a bumbling kind of a, a, a an old time guy who doesn't quite get it right. Like like it, the question was kind of like it was put out there in social media because people are like, wow, this Spartan reporter is really going after Jim Harbaugh. He's not. But like uh,
5: those are the facts, right? You haven't won. I think that it's all fun and games when you're like sleeping over at recruits houses and like you're going to class with them and that kind of stuff. And, and like, that's all cute, but you have to win. And yeah, you've won enough games to kind of be in the conversation. But when you don't beat Michigan state, when you don't beat Ohio state, when you don't beat your rivals, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because you're not winning championships. And the amount of money that they spent on Jim Harbaugh and the amount of hype around jim harbaugh when he came in here when he came to michigan and was going to turn around the school and they finally got their michigan man back and this is going to be the guy he's actually wearing a headset this is going to be the guy this is going to be the guy that lets us beat ohio state it has us win a national championship well you're still ohio you're still michigan state and you still have to get around ohio state and guess what Penn State's still good. Michigan State is still decent every year. Like, these are tough games. And just because Jim Harbaugh, he's just a guy. And, all he just needs to get his recruits in. Okay, he's got a great defense. Now what? Well, now he just needs a quarterback. Well, he's got a good quarterback this year. Now what?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is year four, so this is all on him. These are You you can't blame the previous regime when you're in year four because your recruits are now your juniors, your seniors. These are guys that you've brought in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's Greg McElroy from uh, Outside the Lines. He was talking about Jim Harbaugh this week. Here he is on uh, The Coach. The
8: people that are closely evaluating what he's done have a remarkable amount of respect for him. You look at what he did at Stanford taking over what was one of the worst programs in all of college football and making them into a perennial contender in the Pac-12. I think the people that aren't watching closely and evaluating the tape, they're tired of it. They're saying, okay, well, we, we, this guy gets all the headlines in the off season, and he's climbing trees for recruits, and he's all you guys as analysts are talking about, and yet... Where are the results for all the work that he's done? I think it's a fair question for fans to have, especially fans of Michigan State and Ohio State. But for us that are really evaluating the program, you knew that it was going to be a complete philosophical shift from where they were four years ago to where they're eventually
1: going to go. So the best is yet to come in my eyes. Interesting. The best is yet to come. Uh, I was reading Phil Steele on ESPN.com. If you have an insider account, he's ranked Many of the conferences in the country in the Big Ten, he ranks Michigan in the East as the second best team, basically saying that the recruiting has gone well. He just hasn't found that quarterback, that great quarterback play. They add Shea Patterson from Ole Miss. He's joined a great surrounding talent that the Wolverines already have. They were number 127 on experience last year with only one defensive starter back last season but now they move up to 37th for this season so they have nine starters back on defense the schedule is tough but they'll have to beat ohio state to win the big 10 east and uh for them to be a legitimate big 10 contender it comes down to michigan
5: state and ohio state well why was jim harbaugh successful in the past
1: Uh, He had teams that won games that they were not expected to win because they played great defense and they controlled the ball with running it and smash mouth good good hard-style old-time football. At Stanford. At Stanford and at San Francisco. Because remember, his quarterback in San Francisco, he
5: won with Colin Kaepernick. He won with Colin Kaepernick and he won with Andrew Luck. Right. So he needs his quarterback. And Shea Patterson transferring in for a couple years, that's not really getting any homegrown talent. He hasn't been able to recruit the quarterback yet. Yeah, Shea Patterson's coming in. So, yes, he did do some recruiting. But you need that guy. You need that guy that's going to be able to make the plays. Like Andrew Luck was always the guy that can make the plays when you need him. You said the defense sure. was always good. Smash mouth football. That's what you always knew about Stanford football. Those were back the then.
1: calling cards of Jim Harbaugh teams.
5: Exactly. He doesn't have that now. He's got a really good defense, very good defense. But you, the offense hasn't been up to par. They haven't been able to control the ball. They haven't been able to control the game on both sides of the ball. And if he can get that, sure, you can have success. But how much success can you have? Because when you have, still have to face Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State every year. And don't forget about Wisconsin. Don't forget about them. Bucky Cupcake. How? How, are, how much success can you have? When you still have to face one of the top four teams in all of college football every single year. Well, it's amazing. We're four years into it. And when he, before
1: he went to Michigan, he was the hot name, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted Jim Harbaugh. If he leaves Michigan, how many teams would necessarily want Jim Harbaugh going forward?
5: I think if he leaves, it's going to be for because an NFL job comes calling again. Yeah. I don't but think if you're a college- an NFL team, you really. I mean, he had success with Colin Kaepernick in San
1: Francisco. He went to a Super Bowl. But time is creeping away from him because the the iron was hot. And I don't know if he has this Saban-like run in him to be at Michigan for 15, 20 years. And that's what
5: I originally thought. I was one of the guys that said Jim Harbaugh is going to have this job as long as he wants it. I don't know if that's the case anymore.
1: Let's go down to St. Louis. I'm Chris Bleck with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jesse Rogers covering the Chicago Cubs for ESPN. He's on the scene. Jesse, how are you? I'm good, guys. What's going on? So what's the latest? Cole Hamels will pitch on Wednesday?
2: Yeah, he'll make his debut taking Tyler Chatwood's place in the rotation. I guess uh, nobody is shocked by that. Chatwood will go to the bullpen. I mean, best case scenario is obviously Hamels is great. Chatwood is able to fix whatever ails him. He's able to do it without having to start every five days. He's able to do it without sort of ruining a game in the bullpen, if you know what I mean. He gets his work in. He finds his groove a little bit. And at some point in August, they probably will uh, reinsert him back in the rotation for a six-man or to get Montgomery a rest. They do have a a portion of the schedule where they play 23 games in 23 days. Those are all best-case scenarios. But for right now, it's simply Hamels for Chatwood we'll see how both pitchers fare in their new
5: roles how much is chatwood going to be able to work on while he's in the bullpen if he's coming in in i know he's not necessarily going to come in high leverage situations but if he's still coming in he could still cost them games he could still bring the the lead down to less he could still ruin it uh, you know keep them out of a deficit or whatever how much can he actually learn and fix while being in the bullpen
2: well, I, in my opinion, and I've been saying this all year long, I think he can fix a lot more than he can having to pitch every five days. I mean, that's about you know arm maintenance and your routine and and um, game plans and everything. I, I, and of course, you tweak things between starts. But but an overall of your delivery or trying to get back to your old delivery, which he, he talked about a little bit. I, I think that this is look. It's not a perfect situation. Uh, this is this is the best option though right now. Who knows if he can fix it? Who knows if he can find it? Who knows if he can only pitch in blowouts? There might be situations where he has to pitch in a close game. So I think the answers are actually probably less in-game than, than, than what he does on the side and with Jim Hickey. And then you take that and you go in-game, and hopefully you, 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 uh, you get an idea of what's working and what's not. But I can't guarantee you he's not going to blow a game or come in a tight spot. But that certainly won't be you know, the the role that he has unless it's an emergency situation. So it's not perfect, but I think it's better than what it was uh, 24 hours ago.
1: Jesse, based on everything that I'm hearing and reading and everything that you're telling us and what you're seeing down there with the team, it sounds like to me that we will not see you Darvish again this season.
2: I can't say that for sure, but I mean, uh, you, you, I think if, if you did a, uh, out of 100%, you know, 50-50 would be at best, right? I think 50-50... You're being generous. I mean, the way things are going, um, I wouldn't. Have, I, w- I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't be so pessimistic if he already didn't have a uh, rehab situation that that you know halted and then was was sent back to square one, so to speak. So, who knows when that when that's going to happen again? And if he's sent back to square one now, it pretty much does ruin the rest of the season. So he's really walking a tightrope to get back in the, in the in the lineup at some point. Everything has to go smoothly, even though they're taking baby steps. At least throwing 23 pitches is better than 16, and maybe he'll throw 33 next time or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I can understand being pessimistic. I'd leave out a little bit of hope. Maybe even 50-50 is way too much. But there's some hope. The team is having some hope. But nobody is counting on it. I think that's the best way. A month ago, I think we were counting on it. I don't think anyone is necessarily counting on it, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. Certainly, um, a guy like Chris Bryan, I think you'd be more optimistic that he'll be back than you, Darvish.
5: Tim Curtin said with Waddle and Sylvie yesterday that some of the guys in the clubhouse were wondering why you, Darvish, wasn't back yet, why he hasn't been pitching longer in these uh, bullpen sessions. How is he going to be welcomed back into the clubhouse? Should he come back later this year, or even if it's delayed until next year?
2: No, oh, it's it's about production. I mean, he comes back and produces. He'll be. You know he'll be uh, very welcome in the clubhouse. It, he he hasn't garnered a lot of support in general. When you know since coming to his new team, and I don't just mean his teammates. I mean fans. The whole the whole situation, right? Everyone's is sort of wondering what's going on. Nobody can get inside of his head and understand the pain he's feeling in his arm. Uh, the, the 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 you know structural stuff they've tested it, it seems to hold up. So it's not like he has to be shut down or have surgery. So it is a little bit of a mystery, but. Look, a guy throws. He says he has pain. You got to stop, or you got to reassess, and that's what's going on here. Um, so, yeah, everybody is kind of waiting. But he'll be welcome back if he produces. Um, look, if they fall short, and he and anybody thinks that he could have came back and he didn't because of the pain threshold, then yeah, he'll 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 be frowned upon. So it all depends on how this thing plays out. But you know, pitchers will have a little bit more sympathy for him than I think uh, position players because they know. That you know that arm could be you, you could be in pain at any moment, but again, some people can withstand that kind of pain. Some people can't. We just it's just so hard to to figure out when it comes to you, Darvish.
1: Okay, today's game, Jesse uh, Jose Quintana on the mound, going for his tenth victory. What do you expect from him today?
2: Well, I expect run support. Uh, he's number two in the league in, in, in getting run support. Guess who's number one? John Lester. So when those two on the mound, the Cubs usually score. Now he's coming off uh, what is it, one hundred and twenty-seven pitch outing. So I'd be a little concerned about that. You know, Joe, he's going to shorten up. They have an off day on Monday. They didn't use their plus relievers yesterday. They trailed the whole game. So I would imagine he's going to shorten up on Quintana two times through the order, and that's it. Um, After that, I don't know. I mean, it just depends on how he's recovered. Uh, how, How does he fare in the first inning, for example? All that's in play after throwing 127 pitches. But you know this team on offense has had a, a rough week. They they had that come from behind late inning win, but that's just been about it offensively. It's been kind of kind of dried up a little bit, and that's going to happen. They have one of the best offenses in the league, but um, you know usually they score for Quintana, and I'm not sure he can throw a shutout outing because of the the pitch count last time out.
1: Jesse, do you really think we can send Abdallah back to the minors?
2: If it was possible, I mean, if they had a, uh, the D League for ra- sports radio, he'd be in it. There's no doubt. Oh, come on,
1: Jesse.
2: W- Waddle would send him back there in a heartbeat. Jesse, when's
5: Lester coming on?
2: <laughs> after Zobris, probably after Hamill's oh, How many? God. How much? How much? How many do I have to feed you before
5: you're happy? I'm Jesse, saying, You're man. the best.
1: Leave him
2: I'm alone,
5: saying, man. Leave
1: him alone. I'm just saying.
5: Love you, Jesse. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Love you too, guys.
2: Yeah, definitely. Enjoy the game. Should be interesting. Uh, and Hamels will be here, so we'll have some more news tomorrow after talking to him.
1: All right, fantastic. We'll talk with Jesse okay, Roger guys. tomorrow morning. He's covering the Cubs and the Cardinals tonight. You can hear the game right here on ESPN One Thousand. The pregame starts in about ten minutes. Right here on ESPN One Thousand. Thank you to Dan Rubenstein and Chris Raybon from the Action Network. We talked a lot of football today. Black and Abdallah. Thank you to Felix Reyes and Sean Davis. Abdallah, you've been very agi- agitated today. I have not been. I've been. I mean, you uh, just went after Jesse for not booking John Lester for your. Wife. Waddle and Sylvie program, he, he said got, he was who, he send got me, you a Cubs player, right? He said yesterday? he was going to send me
5: back to the minors. Did what he am I not? Did he supposed, not am did I mean, not gets to you, defend my
1: honor? Who was on Waddle and Sylvie yesterday? Ben Zobrist. And, and that's not good enough for you. What if I told you that you
5: needed to go back to the radio minors?
1: It's fine. I've got stuff to work on. I'll work on my shot, uh, a little dribbling, whatever, whatever I need to work on. I'll do it. Mid-range. You're just a Team mid-range, player, mid-range man. guy. Why not? I'll do it. Mid range. What do you want me to do? I don't know. Do something. Well, I'm just saying. All day we come in on a Saturday afternoon. It's been fun. I've been having a great time. Are we going to dinner tonight? The guys working the show are enjoying it. Are Saturday to, afternoon. Are we going to dinner tonight?
5: I don't know. You seem like you don't want my presence. I, w- I tonight. would love for you and, and I've we, got to sit and, with you tomorrow and your wife to for join us for, for, for dinner tonight. I would love it. It would be an honor. It'd be my privilege to sit and watch you eat pizza did you see that i saw an airplane on did the street I see that you saw an airplane <laughs> yes i called you to put you on the air and you didn't want to go on i had nothing to say you were on the scene there was a plane
1: on the street and you were there hi waddle and sylvie there's a plane on the street i don't know how it happened but there's a plane on but the street there's were a lot of merchants. you're our man on the street well i was past it i was way past it that you point. you had saw you drove past it though i how was that train how was, was the plane was my uh report pretty good? It was good. Okay. I liked it. This was yesterday. You could have called what? us on the way back, what too. Was a, yeah, I saw it on the way back, too. I they saw were, that. Uh, on the way back, they took the the wings off of the plane to get it onto a trailer. Yeah, because you can't drive. It's too wide. Well, I thought maybe you know you fix the engine up on the side of the road, and then you just close down why? the road. i no. fly out of there. <laughs> <What>? Come on. <laughs>
5: no. Well, if you fix the problem, why not? Because you know how, how long of a runway you need to take Do you know how long Lakeshore Drive is? You know how many cars you have to clear oh, off?
1: They were all already cleared when we came back at 5 30 or 6 o'clock it was shut down anyway
5: this is not a a helicopter where it just goes straight up i'm i'm aware you know how planes work yeah but it's a small plane it takes less time to travel not true
1: yeah it is shorter runway nope yeah i don't think so That's the same amount of runway thanks to felix and sean for producing the show uh, Black and Abdal, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. We'll break down the Cubs and Cards, and we'll talk a lot of football as Bears training camp continues. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 8 on ESPN 1000.